Blog Talk Radio. Not again. I love it, don't you? It's almost become a great gag at this point. Oh, God, this thing. All right, so let's just uh, wait till it plays. And we'll oh, it'll, it'll, it'll come it on anytime now and interrupt us. It's, it's a great it's, intro. You got to switch it from Robinson mode to Bush mode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh, this is a great running gag that we have going on here on this show. You know, we, know. we do anything else and the thing works perfectly. And we go live and it, then it doesn't play for a minute and a half and then just randomly spits yeah, itself Yeah, it shows up when it feels like it. I don't know. Beats the hell out of me, why? But, you know, we'll eventually get to uh, get to the show, but we don't want to get interrupted by our own intro that should start at any, any second now. And there it is. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights analysis and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New and cambay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at widemencantjump.com. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights analysis and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New and cambay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at widemencantjump.com. Now let's go to the flagship program and this episode of Wide Men Can Jump. The intro is so nice that it decided to play twice, and that is exactly what happens here when it's live, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's wide men can't just, jump. It took three pathetic. minutes. It took three minutes to get through a forty-second intro. So a here we are. <laughs> attempt to get advertisers to pay us twice. Yes, it was. And uh, speaking of advertisers that pay us twice, you should check out our good friends over at New Law Office, because I'm going to be hearing from them soon as I decide to sue the people that run this soundboard on this website. So let's hear from our good friend Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. 
a new level of personal service. Whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Thanks to our great sponsor, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New, and uh, you and I get to have an old talk with old Stephen P. New tomorrow sometime. I'm looking forward to that. How are, how are we going to shake down Stephen P. New? <laughs> well, we'll do. We'll give it the old college try, as they we're gonna, say. We're gonna, we're gonna beg is what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> Been known to do that. But anyway, welcome to Why We Can't Jump, everyone. We're glad you're back with it us is. here as we get episode 81, and as we fall in here to this program, it's time for the NBA Finals. It's time. The NBA Finals are upon us. Thursday night, game one takes place. So, everybody should where, be excited for that. Where, the Raptors where will be it take place. Where does it take place? Oh, it takes place in Toronto, Ontario. And then in what building? Canada, in the Scotiabank Arena. You see our wrong. It was named the Scotiabank Arena, but from the rest of the playoffs, it has now been dubbed Jurassic Park. The house, the house that Kawhi Leonard built. I kid, Game I one, kid you not, they're calling it Jurassic Park. It's kind of cool. Well, the outside area is called Jurassic Park. So they got kids, kids across Canada today were building uh, like little dinosaurs and nonsense like that for tomorrow's game. Really big thing up there. Yeah, yeah, big thing up there. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But that's awesome. Awesome. But huge game tomorrow night. The Raptors' first trip to the NBA Finals, and Kawhi Leonard is getting all the praise in the world. Many people are speculating though that this will be a short-lived, joyful moment as they are heavy underdogs heading into this NBA Finals. Bullshit, I say. You say bullshit, huh? Underdogs, yes. I don't know why they're heavy underdogs. Good Lord, they well, have the third best record in the league. Why are they heavy underdogs? They're second best. Why are they heavy underdogs? I don't understand. Well, let's take a look at – I want to look at the betting odds here, if I can, uh, for this this season – or not for the season, but for right now – uh, Toronto Raptors, let's see, that is the odds as of May 28. Uh, the Warriors are at minus 195 as opening odds, and Toronto was at plus 1,400 was the opening odds to win the NBA championship. I believe that was at the beginning of the season. Currently, the odds set at Golden State at minus 280, the, the Raptors at plus 230. So... There's your See, odds on that. I think that's a little bit steep. I understand why Golden State's getting the bulk of the of the money. I mean, I, I get that, but I think I think some people are going to get an awakening. 
They really do. I won't say oh. Toronto's going to win the series. I won't go that far, but I don't think it's going to be quite as the cakewalk that everybody thinks it's going to be. Well, we're going to give our predictions um, a little bit later on the, the finals, what we think will happen, who wins, uh, how many games, and things of that nature. I took Toronto in seven. They actually won it in six. I took the Warriors in five against the Blazers. Um, they won it in four. So I was off by a game on both series. So eh, not a bad little not a bad little run there for me in the past two series. But um, this should be a very interesting series. I'm looking forward to it. And it's just going to be good to see the NBA Finals back. And, and re- this is one of those bittersweet times of the year. You only get games every couple of days, but this is your last gasp of the NBA until October. So after damn October... Those, damn those veteran rockers up in Toronto for screwing up their calendar. <laughs> yeah, they do that. They will do that, that's for sure. But uh, I think I know who this is here. We'll get him on for a minute. What is up, Sweet Lou? How are you? How are you? Doing good. Welcome go. back one, to the show. Yeah, one day until the NBA Finals. What's Here your thoughts, Lou? What are you thinking NBA Finals-wise? You know, I don't think this is going to be an easy series for anybody. I mean, everybody thinks that Golden State's going to just walk all over Toronto, even though KD is going to be out for at least two games. Uh, Cousins, we don't know when he's coming back. But everybody still thinks, oh, the Warriors still have too much talent, and they're just going to walk over Toronto. I don't think so. I think this is going to be a very hard-fought series, and I think Toronto just might have enough to overpower them. Lou, you sure are a genius. I'm glad you guys have all this faith. I'm glad. And and don't get me wrong. I enjoy the Raptors, and I'm actually hoping the Raptors win. I would love to see the Raptors absolutely win the – the NBA Finals. Here's my biggest issue, though. If you watch Toronto in the East playoffs this season, they struggled shooting the ball uh, at times. They went with long runs of bad t- uh, bad shots, uh, missed opportunities, and just go cold. My biggest issue with that is you can't do that against Golden State. You can get away with that against Milwaukee or Boston or teams like that. You can't get away with that against the Golden State Warriors. That's not going to be applicable. You're not going to be able to do that. Your best bet against Golden State is you have to play nearly perfect if you want to have a shot at beating Golden State, in my opinion. And Toronto's going to have to do that. And you don't think they can? I don't think they can beat them four out of seven. I just don't see that. I've I've not thought that, and, and to me, this finals was was already determined. You know, beginning of the season, we all pretty much knew that Golden State was the team to beat. Um, you know, with or without Durant, they're the team to beat. Um, even with or without Cousins, they still have Steph Curry. They still have Klay Thompson. They still have Draymond Green. They still have a very good bench. They have a system that these guys know they've bought into. Sean Livingston's a good player. Quinn Cook has played well. Kevon Looney has learned in this system. They're a deeper team than what people give them credit for. Everybody thinks they're really top-heavy. Their bench guys know what they're doing. They still have finals MVP from a few years back, Andre Iguodala, who's proven to be a defensive machine. And they can just rotate guys in that know what they're doing. And, again, you can't guard Steph, Clay, and Draymond. 
all at the same time. The Warriors are going to get theirs. And without Durant, they're undefeated. They're 6-0. and They beat the Rockets two straight and then swept the Blazers without arguably, of course, again, arguably, without arguably their best player. How many teams can lose their best player and then still sweep a series? That shows you how unfair this Warriors team truly is. And I'm hoping that this is the last time we have to see them like this because of the contract situation and everything, all the rumors and, and things like that. But this Warriors team is truly, a, you know, we're, Tim and I are going to talk about this later, a dynasty waiting to happen. And it's really not fair to anyone else that has to go up against them because if they're motivated, you're not beating them. That's just the way it is. Bye, humbug. <laughs> And trust me, I hope the Raptors win. I hope I hope to be sitting here eating these words at the end of the finals. I really do. I would absolutely just be the happiest camper in the world if Toronto somehow pulls it off and wins this series. I will I will gladly say I'm wrong. For, for Toronto to be successful, they don't even necessarily need I mean, they already by getting to the final, they've kind of capped their yeah. year already to some degree. Uh I would like to just see them, even if they get one Two games. It would be that much better than anybody's done. What haven't they been? The last two have been four-zero sweeps. Is that correct? Um, yeah. For Toronto? No, Toronto's never Golden, been the, the, the finals. Gold, hasn't Golden State four-zeroed the last two times out? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, okay, I can so double check that. that. I don't. Uh, I don't remember the right off. I'm pretty sure that it's the four old Cleveland and Cleveland, did they not? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, I, I'm almost certain of that. Yeah, they beat Cleveland four straight last year. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find it here. Yeah, they yeah, beat them last year. I'm almost sure it was a two, two in a row for them. Okay, so anything, even if they get one win. They beat Cleveland four – or no, they did not sweep Cleveland in 2017. They won 4-1. And 4-0 them so, last year. Yeah, so they're eight and yeah. they're basically 8-1 and one in their last nine finals games. I don't if know. That tells like I said, I'm pulling for Toronto. Mm. I don't care. Um, I'm not going to – like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say Golden State sucks or anything because I certainly don't. That'd be foolish as well, but uh, I would like to see somehow, some way, Toronto finds a chink in that Golden State armor and tears it apart. I think it'd be great for the game. I think it'd be great for everyone if uh, Golden State got sent packing. Well, it would be interesting to note, but um, Lou, what's your thoughts here? I mean, you're thinking that Toronto is going to be able to to hang with Golden State. Do you think Toronto's going to win this series? I do. Really? It's going to be a gru- it's going to be a grueling series to do it, but uh, you know, they're going to pull it out. But it's not going to be easy for for either team. There's, so, a, there's a few guys on the uh what is it? Jalen Rose is picking Toronto in 7. There's a few guys on ESPN that were picking mm-hmm. Toronto in 7. It's not totally left field. It's not like Toronto doesn't have... People are talking like Toronto doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of even winning a game. And I think that's ridiculous. 
I mean, I'm not 100% on that either. Um, hold on. Let, let's get one more take here. We got another call, believe it or not. The, the board is lighting up. All right. Hello, co- hello, caller. You're on the air with Wide Men Can't Jump. What's your thoughts on the NBA Finals? Well, it's Lou in Pittsburgh. Hey, gentlemen. So I bet between three and $500 oh, a game. Uh, okay. Actually, I got $1,000 riding on Toronto to win the series. Uh, I'm getting uh, two and a half to one odds here. What everyone, in my opinion, yeah, is doesn't realize, or, you know, they saw it. Golden State was down to Portland three times in that series by at least 15 points. Every game they right. came back, I think, think it has a lot more to do with Portland not holding the lead. If they give a lead to Toronto like that, uh, they're just not going to come back as easily as they did against Portland. Um, I think what you're going to see – is Kawhi Leonard defensively play one of the best defensive series you've ever seen, kind of like Pippen against the Lakers back in 90 when they put him on Magic Johnson. I think he can guard Curry. I think he can guard Klay Thompson. And if Durant is not in the series or isn't the real Durant, I see Toronto winning the series 4-1 and uh, pretty easily at that. Mm, wow, taking Toronto. Okay. Um, listen, I got a show of my own actually on uh, Saturday nights. Um, if you get a time between six and eight, you can give that show a, a call as well. Uh, the number is 712-775-7035, pin number 410173, and then the pound sign. So if you get a chance, you can call in. That's a plug for the week. But uh, let me ask yes. you this. Uh, you our caller from Pittsburgh. You said your name was Lou as well? Correct. Okay. Well, we got Lou from New Jersey and Lou from Pittsburgh on the line. Let me ask right. you this. Um, you said Kawhi's going to play a great defensive series. I agree with that. I think Kawhi Leonard is going to go out there and give probably one of the most impressive finals performances you'll ever going to see, win, lose, or draw. If you're the coach, you're Nick Nurse, We'll say, let's just for argument's sake say Durant's out of the series completely. Durant doesn't play. Who do you put Kawhi on? Who's the guy that Kawhi Leonard is guarding? Uh, I'm putting him on Clay Thompson. I'm putting him on okay. Clay Thompson. I, I think if you can get to the point, assuming Durant's out, and you can limit Clay Thompson, um, I think they have enough just, you know, I mean, they could make multiple people can guard Curry, I think you can have a scenario um, at the end of the games or in short short, uh, uh, bursts have Kawhi on Curry even. I think he's that good defensively. He could stay with Curry. You know, he can fight through all those screens. uh, You know, very powerful player. Um, So, you know, but I would put him on Thompson and uh, make like someone, uh, you know, like Green or Iguodala, you know, beat you. And, you know, if Curry gets his, he, he does, you know. But he, Lowry's a decent defender. I know everyone mm-hmm. sees him. He thinks they, they think he's slow. Um, and, you know, you can even put, what's the other guy, Siakam? Siakam. Yeah, Pascal yeah. Siakam. He, he can even. Um, I saw him guard Bledsoe. Didn't he shut down Bledsoe for a while in that last series? Um, they were spotting him on Bledsoe, so there's no reason you can't put him on a, a smaller guard, in my opinion. I just think. Uh, you know, this is assuming Durant's out. 
if, if Durant point. comes back, um, you know, and actually I think, uh, in my opinion, I want to see DeMarcus Cousins come back. I think he's a cancer. Yeah. I think if he got in the game, um, everyone says, well, he's going to come in, he's going to be controlled, he's been out a while. Well, the, what happens when the pressure's on or they're losing? Is the old Cousins going to come out to get, you know, timely technical fouls? Is he going to want to play more minutes? Is he going to cause a distraction? Um, he's been out so long. I'm at, in Golden State's in a pretty good rhythm now. I want Cousins in there. I think he's just a distraction. Yeah. It really helped Toronto, to be honest with you. Well, Cousins is one of those guys that, to me, I see him, and um, I actually think he helps the team. Now, he is out of rhythm with the team at the moment because he's been out for a while. I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys that you see come in and, and help the team. If if I'm Cousins, I'm just going to sit on the bench and hope I get my ring. Um, that's mm. my that's what I'm thinking. Lou from New Jersey, uh, do you agree with Lou from Pittsburgh? I agree with Lou from Pittsburgh. Actually, we just talked a little while ago on another show. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yes, I'm the same guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Jumping around. We're both we're both jumping around here, man. Oh, I'm bringing well, I'm people a, together. I'm a, yeah, I'm like a doctor on rounds. Well, three years. Ago. I'll say this. I'll say this, guys. The, it's you know we got a lot of guys on here that think Toronto is going to win the series. That's two. The two lose are taking Toronto. Um, I got to yes. disagree personally. I'm taking Golden State, and this may sound mean, and a lot of people might jump on me for this one, but I'm taking Golden State in five. I think Toronto will get one, but I think that's all they're getting. And I think with without Durant, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I think uh, Golden State's just too good. They've been there before. The experience will help them. Kawhi has been there before. Ibaka has been there before. But that's really about it for Toronto. Now, whether or not well, Lowry you know, shows G- G- Gasol, up, G- Gasol played. He wasn't in the finals, but he's been in a lot of battles uh, when he, you know, oh, yeah. played for Memphis. I mean, he. I wouldn't. You know, he, he's a player. Mm. I wouldn't say. Okay, well, he's never been in the finals, so no experience. He's an experienced player that's been in some grind outs uh, with Memphis, so I, I see him performing good. I don't think that finals first time will affect us all at all. Well, I'll agree with you there. My biggest issue is the rhythm that the two days off in between games will affect uh, because I know a lot of guys aren't used to that in terms of the playoffs. You get into a rhythm in the playoffs, then you get this big, long stretch where you're off, Golden State even longer. Uh, if Toronto's going to get a game, I think it'll be game one because Golden State's going to be r- rusty from the sweep of Portland and taking so long to get to uh, the NBA Finals. But if I'm looking at the roster as a whole, I think Toronto's going to get one game, but that those two days off, and then, of course, there's the media days, all the, you know, just cameras in your face, mm-hmm. and a lot of attention – that a lot of Toronto players aren't used to. Most people aren't going to know who, you know, Pascal Siakam until this year. Nobody really talked about him. Um, OG Anobi, another guy who's been, who has been on the team. We haven't heard a lot from him lately. You see a lot of players that aren't used to that attention. And this is a big stage for them. This is national coverage on TV. I don't know how it's going to affect them because it seems to. Danny Green, he's a guy they can kind of lean on. Kawhi Leonard, they can lean on. I'll agree with you on Gasol, no finals experience, but he has played on some big stages. But 
I mean, Ibaka's been there. He was all right in his one finals appearance. Um, Lowry's never been there. A lot of key players that they're going to need have never been there. That's just me. Right. Tim, what do you think? I think up there, our, you, our you Canadian I, brethren. You know what I think about? I, I think a lot of people are putting a lot of. Uh, I mean, and, and not wrongfully, but they're just you're looking at the paper, you're looking at the, and you're not taking anything else into account. There's a lot of other uh, factors that are going to come into whether who wins this thing or not. On paper, yeah, Golden State's probably a better team. Well, not probably they they are, but there's. I think if Toronto gets it, gets the first game, then I think that sets Golden State back on their heels a little bit. And Lord forbid if they lose the first two, then I think they're in big trouble. Well, if they lose two straight to uh, to Toronto, then I'll, I'll have to agree with you, honestly. But uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, yeah. I want to bring up this stat here because this is something I think that it hasn't been mentioned a whole lot. And this is something that um, has been on social media. Apparently it's been a big deal. 16 players in this NBA finals once played in the NBA G league and will be in the NBA finals. Does that, and a lot of people kind of look at the G league. as kind of a, eh, you know, nobody really gets out of there. Nobody really shows up a lot. Now, granted, there's, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson never spent time in the G League, but a lot of these role players are coming out of the G League. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Lou in New Jersey, we'll start with you. What's your thoughts on that, and we'll bounce around. Well, you never know, because the G League, you know, could develop uh, talent for future NBA players. So, you know, a lot of people may think you're just, like, knocking and saying, ah, they're a bunch of nobodies. They're never going to get far away. You never know. These might surprise you and may be the future stars of the NBA. So, I wouldn't necessarily knock a G League. How about you, Lou, in Pittsburgh? What's your thoughts? Well, I, th- I think the, the, the G League's uh, just going to get bigger and bigger um, as far as talent. I know the one guy from high school, I think they rated him the, the fifth player coming out, went to play in Australia or something. But uh, I, I personally all- just think that, you know, they might uh, end up, you know, paying a little bit more. Um, who knows in the future if, you know, if the college, if they go back to the you know, you can leave uh, after high school, you know, and I, I just see the G League getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, if, if you're smart, you know, organization um, scouting, um, you can really um, get some gems out of the G League. And I, we've already seen it, I mean. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you said you saw that statistic as well. What did you I think did. when you saw it? Now, can, can you – I'm unaware. Can you send a player to the G League from your NBA roster? Normally, they, they allow you uh, – you have to fill out your G League rosters, but say somebody's rehabbing an injury, uh, they can go down to the G League. Uh, that is an option. Okay. okay, what about if somebody's been drafted but hasn't played for your team yet? Yes, they can go to the G League, absolutely. Okay, so then, then some teams should probably uh, start to use the G League to better effect, I'd say. Uh, we've seen lots oh, of cases of, of young guys uh, – I mean, let's – our favorite uh, kicking boy, Mr. Markel Fultz, probably could have used a stint in the, in the G League. Um, there's been several guys who, uh, you know, like in all honesty, now Ben Simmons is a pretty good basketball player. But it probably wouldn't have hurt him at some point earlier in his career to to spend some time learning how to take a 
three-point shot somewhere where the pressure's maybe not quite so great as it is up in the in the big leagues. Uh, well, they should use it. They could use it more like a minor league system than what they do. Is what I'm getting at. Well, your biggest issue is when you draft somebody number one overall, and that was the case with Simmons and Folds as two guys that we've really been give, giving a hard time to, and you're giving them so much money, and you're trying to use them to bring people in and make your team better now. Um, I it's agree, almost I agree, ludicrous. It's almost ludicrous to send them to the G League. Uh, hockey does it all yeah. the time where guys are, you know, I'm struggling in my game. I need to play more. I can't get on the court with a big team because I'm sucking so bad. At least you can throw them down in the G league and play them, find out whether they, you know, is this fixable? Is it not fixable? And how, how much grief would the, the uh, 76ers have saved themselves in the last well, two years? This, this is Lou from Pittsburgh. If I could chime in on that, I think uh, players like Simmons, um, you know, they come out, you know, so highly drafted, it's an almost an insult to them um, put sending them down to the G League. Um, I, you know, they, they think I would think it would be an insult, you know, especially with the amount of money they're making. And, you know, nowadays they have, you know, um, a lot of more influence, um, you know, in, you know, if you send a player down to the G League, they could take it as an insult and then they could leave in free agency just because of that. I mean, there's a lot of egos here in the yeah. NBA. It, it just You're seems right. like it's getting mm-hmm. worse. But but it shouldn't be. It should be like, hey, look, we're trying to get your it game. Should be, yeah. You know, back to where it should be. And this this isn't uh, us saying that you're horrible or anything. We're we're just saying you need to work on this. And what better place than over here? A little less cameras, a little less. And I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it because you're probably right. Uh, you know, teams don't get to make a lot of decisions about that sort of stuff anymore. Well, and again, this is another issue you'll run into is not only egos, not you know, and all these different things that play a factor into this, but don't forget you drafted these guys to sell tickets. And if yeah. you put them in the G League, you're not making money on them. You're paying them a bunch of money and you're not really making money on them because you got to think about jersey sales. You got to think about even, you know, commercials and ticket sales and you know, you're going to have meet and greets, and fans are going to want to meet these guys and see them because they're so highly touted. Now, if you get a guy maybe drafted maybe 22nd overall in the draft, maybe not as highly touted, good player that you think might turn into something, absolutely. But you almost it's almost unfathomable to think to send a lottery pick down to the G League, especially, Actually, you know, a top five pick. What, what will happen is guys – I guess well, I'll call you, I may call you back a little bit later, though. All right, Lou. Go ahead, Lou. Thanks for calling in. It's Lou uh, from New Jersey, everybody. Guys will start putting it into their contracts that they can't be sent down to the G League. That's what would happen. Well, sure. I, I mean, sure they would. I have, a no, I have a no movement clause. You can't you can't send me there, and then that defeats the purpose, I suppose. But Yeah, I mean, that, and that's going to be a thing that you run into after after so long, and that's not something that, that we're looking into. Um Lou from Pittsburgh. Any other thoughts on the NBA? No, I'm I'm a I'm a big Celtics fan. Um, We're very sorry. disappointed. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm yeah. Kidding. Well, you know, it's it's really <laughs> strange because the way they made a run last year in the playoffs to get to Game Seven against Cleveland, 
And from that point until where they were now, you know, winning the first game against Milwaukee, then getting crushed four in a row, um, you look at the offseason, looks pretty certain Kyrie's going to leave. I mean, you probably yeah. could get, uh, you know, Davis. You could get him, but he would probably leave after a year. You know, you, got, you, you get Gordon Hayward, and that's kind of the start of all the, you know, the, the downfall here after they look like they were building the team, you know, for the future. Um, he goes down against Cleveland in the first game, and it just seems like, you know, boy, they they, they had all the draft picks and all the good ones are almost over. And uh, I have no idea what team they're going to put on the floor next year. Are they, they going to go just try like do a, you know, a quick start, another quick rebuild with Tatum, Brown, and Smart? Or, or are they going to go for Davis and, and Gamble and hope he stays? I mean, I think they're in the NBA. That they're the team that has the most question marks uh, this offseason. They do have a lot. Uh, my thing with the Boston Celtics is, if I'm them, I do not, absolutely do not, do not go for Anthony Davis for the simple fact that yeah. Davis wants to win now. And if you trade away all those players, you're not going to be able to put a team around Anthony Davis for the most part. And he, he's going to be in the same situation. So here's here's my thoughts on the Celtics. Kyrie leaving may actually be more of a blessing than what people think. It just seemed like that Celtics team never clicked. Um, and that was the main problem. They never really could click as a unit. Here's what I'm thinking if I'm Boston. Let me I'm getting their contract situation pulled up. You've got Hayward still for another um it looks like another couple of years. You still got Horford. Irving's probably walking. Um, you'll still have Smart, Tatum, um, Brown, Terry Rozier. Still a lot of good players. I mean, uh, Simi uh Aaron Baines is still there. I mean, he could re- try to restructure. If Kyrie Irving's cap, if, if he walks, that's going to leave you with a lot of cap space. Let's say $21, $21 million in cap, maybe a little more if you let uh, Marcus Morris go. There's going to be some free agents out there that will look well, you know who and I go, who do you want? Mike Conley from Memphis. That, that, uh, is, that is my target. would be a great if fit I'm, there. If I'm Danny Ainge, that, that would be a great fit because, you know, he, he's down in Memphis and, and they're rebuilding, and I, I think a lot of people forgot about how good he really is. You know, he, oh, he got great. stuck with the, with the bad – yeah, he is. You're exactly right. I would love to have him. Even if you told me Mike Conley or Kyrie, uh, you know, Conley's a little older, but uh, hey, I'll take Conley for a lot less money, you know, $10 million less or whatever it would be. Yeah, and Conley's contract isn't – you know, it, it's a big contract, but he would fit in well in Boston, I think, and then you'd have that – that guard, but I, it just depends on what you would have to give up for him. I think Memphis would maybe want Jalen Brown in return. Um, I would probably pull yeah. the trigger on that. Um, I would, I would, I could build a team with Boston around Horford, uh, Tatum, and and players like that with Conley and, and things of that nature. That I, I could li- totally live with that. I know my Minnesota Timberwolves have been uh, looking into possibly making a trade for Mike Conley as well. So he's going to be a hot name out there. Well, do you think uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins, that's the worst contract in the NBA, right? Not in the NBA, no. uh, It's bad. No, no? Chris Paul's contract contract is way worse. 
At least Wiggins is okay. young. Chris Paul's going to be making in two years, and Paul's on the decline as far as I'm concerned right now. He's going to be making almost $41 million in two years. Wiggins' yeah. contract is not worse. I also saw today that I believe Houston has made it known that uh, he's available. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, Houston's going to blow it up. Yeah, that, you guys yeah, they will. They're blowing yeah, they it up. Want it. <laughs> James Harden is probably the him. He and Clint Capella will be the only two players safe. Everyone else, I think, will be available. Well, at least, at least if you're a Celtics fan, Danny Ainge has a pretty good rep as being a guy that can pull the trigger on some amazing deals. Uh, at least, they, at least they won't do nothing. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. No, you know what he does, the... but he he does, but it's just like you know, everything was was going perfect on the reboot. Every year they got a little better, and um, just the way they went out against Milwaukee. I mean, that, that's just like. Oh, I agree. I, I, they, I was, were not, they were not good this year. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, but they but they kind of got my hope up after they swept Indiana. You know, they, they won the first game at Milwaukee pretty easily, and, and I just don't know what happened those the, the last four games just to get blown out every game and go out like that. I, I just – for as a Celtics fan, it's it's tough to take, to be honest with you. Well, I'm, I'm old, and I remember the Celtics. Like, when I think of the Boston Celtics, I think of, you know – that's a franchise of serious pride. Uh, one that, you know, they don't give up, don't quit, never that kind of stuff. But when I saw this year's version of the Celtics, yeah, not, not so much. They got the 14th pick this year in the draft. Do they not? They may make a move. Yeah. They may pick up some picks and move up. Yeah. That's a possible. I don't looking, think they'll do that, uh, but actually, go ahead. They're, they're actually looking to uh, try to move up to get that Manu uh, Manu Bowl son Bowl Bowl or whatever uh, Bowl his Bowl. name is. Yeah, Bowl Bowl. Yeah, seven two with a with a seven eight uh, with a seven eight reach, and you know he can shoot a little bit. He's really raw, of course, but uh, you know that's the kind of the guy I, I would I would gamble for. Was and, not, you know, was Manu not kind of pretty raw when he came over the first time too though wasn't he when he a project for the most part yeah but the, the son the son actually this one uh the son actually has a little bit of a dribble and he can move around more than uh, uh his father oh, that's a positive though well i'll tell you this bowl bowl the the one thing about him that that everyone seems to be worried and while he's kind of fallen on draft boards injury injury issues and that's a, that could turn into a big problem. However, if Oregon would have had him in their final four in their run this year, I think they could have easily yeah. been a final four team. Uh, Cause he is a talent. I've watched him play. He's a great player and I'm interested to see who takes him and where um, Minnesota, if they take a chance on him, I, I wouldn't be too mad about that, but uh, you know, we're looking at the, uh, the we're looking at the guy from uh, Arizona. So who knows what may happen. You've just got to love the fact that you'd have a guy on your roster whose name was Bull Minute Bull. You got to love it. Got to, got to love it. But Lou, man, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. We're getting ready to jump to a pre-recorded interview in just a second. You're welcome to stick around and listen to it if you'd like. But we got to jump over to that and hit some sponsors That's up. Uh, so, but thank, thank you for calling. Don't to call again, though. Yeah, good, good call. Yeah, we're on every Wednesday. Right. Call whenever. 
Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Thank you. All right, so some early caller action there that we don't get very often here on on why men can't jump. No argument there. It's always good to have guys calling uh, and guys who are knowledgeable, you know, passionate, knowledgeable, good good calls. But, of course, when you talk about passion and knowledge, you got to talk about one of our great sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Let's hear from them real quick. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Atomic Comic and Collectibles, LLC. Check them out, Facebook.com backslash Atomic Comic and Collectibles, LLC. Tim, they're getting what a shipment in of the that, new... What I wouldn't give to be able to hang out at that store. I, want, I look oh. at their Facebook page with great amounts of envy, let me tell you. Yeah, and they're getting a new shipment in, the Ghostbusters Funko Pops. They're getting the whole line in. The whole so, line? Josh Brown makes an appearance. The yes, whole the whole line. You even get the... I, I believe there's even a building, isn't there? They don't have a building, but yes, they are getting the whole line in. I think they said the only one that was on back order was Slimer. Um, it, let me see. They made a post about it earlier today. But I they are getting sure. the headquarters. They're they getting all of that in. Uh, they will be in late next week, early week after. Slimer is on back order. The rest are coming, including the headquarters. So make sure you you check them out, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. You don't want to miss that. And also they wanted me to let people know they will be setting up in two weeks at their first Comic-Con. It's June 8th, Tricon in Huntington, West Virginia. The con is from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. VIPs get in at 9 a.m. And go check them out. They'll have a table full of all the collectibles. So if you're in the West Virginia Ohio, Kentucky uh, area, that tri-state area, or if you're willing to drive far, come visit them. Come check out Atomic Comic and Collectibles LLC. You know, I, I think there's a building, Nate. Look at that ad. They show all the, the fun yeah. guys. And then yeah, they, they show got another the one. They're and, getting and, that, and, too. And, yeah, and there's a building there. That, that That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I want that. Yeah, it I is. want that stuff. I want it now. Atomic Comic, uh, free eight months of advertising. Send me that stuff. <laughs> you heard it here but yeah they said they'll be boxing up inventory this week to take up the Tricon and uh, they'll be bringing a lot of stuff I've seen a lot of their stuff that they have and it's incredible how and much good, and, and good people they right? Tell me oh absolutely people. great people great people and if you're a rock music fan they've got this reproduction poster 
Uh, needs a new mat, they said, but it's only $5. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, August 12th through 17th, 1975, the bottom line New York City concert poster. So you'll want to check that out. Get over there and check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. All right, Tim, we talked earlier about the NBA Finals, and we got Lou from Pittsburgh, or Lou from Pittsburgh and Lou from New Jersey both on, and I swear to God we didn't plan that. Uh, we have... We literally did, yeah, we did not plan on Louie Luai both coming. <laughs> All right, I'll quit now. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, they both jumped on, talked to NBA Finals, but we had a chance to talk earlier with Chris Walder from The Score in Canada from Toronto about the Raptors, and we went into great detail about the Toronto Raptors. So yeah, let's, I listen think, in with Tim pokes Chris Walder a bit much and irritates him yeah, for you, a brief moment. You, you, I don't think you irritated him. I think you just poked him and he, he answered. But we're going to dive into that interview. We're going to dive into that interview. So let's go ahead and get to it. Tim and I talk with Chris Walder from The Score. We'll see you on the other side. Back on the show with us is the NBA news editor at The Score, formerly of Bleacher Report, Raptors HQ, our man from up north, it's Chris Walder, and also joining me to talk to Chris, the other half of the Canadian connection here on Wide Men Can't Jump, Tim Dombrova is here, and we're going to talk about Canada. (laughs) Welcome aboard, gentlemen. Make way for Minister Leonard. Hey, I was about to stand <laughs> up and like recite the Canadian national anthem there. <laughs> I see, it. and they all laugh at me because I tell them up here in Canada when that anthem plays, we all start looking as the Queen here or something. We start looking around and we get yeah. nervous. <laughs> see, that's one thing I don't understand is how. You know, we have the national anthem. We'll we'll do the national anthem just for, you know, whatever down here in the States. It's just like, oh, wait a minute. Somebody caught a baseball. Hold on. Everyone stand and, you know. So, But in Canada, apparently it's not a thing to do that often. We did it first thing in the morning when I was in elementary school at like 8 or 8.30. And then that was it. And then we do it. At Toronto Raptors games, but the singer doesn't even sing it anymore. They just let the fans sing it, which is amazing. And I'm glad everyone knows the words. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you couldn't do that. Fair. You couldn't do that down here because everybody would mess it up, and we'd end up with some sort of Weird Al Yankovic parody or something going on. We're, uh, listen, I love the United that, States, but man, we got some stupid people down here. <laughs> it happens occasionally up here where. Every once in a while, somebody tries to make the anthem their own, and but but normally most at more sporting events it gets played and people just pretty much sing it the same way every time. You don't have somebody trying to make it an event. Well, we were definitely singing it in the streets in downtown Toronto when the Raptors won Game Six. I'll tell you that much. When we were all jumping on uh, top of streetcars <laughs> and whatnot and parading through the roads. Now, can you imagine, Chris, if for some unbelievable reason? the Toronto Maple Leafs would have beat the Bruins and they were in the Stanley Cup final at the same time as this was going on? Could you live in Toronto? Would you be able to stay there? Or would you have to flee? 
well, I would I would want to stay here. The parties would be nuts. It was it was just exciting to have the Leafs and the Raptors like in a first round series at the same time because that's pretty rare. But if like the Maple Leafs got past Boston and now we see that Boston is, but they're like up one nothing in the Stanley Cup yeah, Finals. It like, looks, it looks like they're gonna win it, so that makes Leaf fans like me feel even better about the season. Everything can't be great at the same time when it comes to Toronto sports. That's just how the way it is. You know what? We will take the basketball. The Leafs have. Uh, you know, we're pretty much used to them underachieving, so we can with that for one more year. If it gives us a shot at the NBA title, we'll take it. Oh, yeah. So that, one is better than none. I know it will make our American friends very, very upset if we were to somehow pull it off and win. We the North. Not me. That's what everybody said back in the 90s about the baseball until the Blue Jays won, and it nearly killed every American within a 300-mile <laughs> radius of the border because they just don't like the idea of the title being up here. It just rubs them wrong. Now, I'll take Toronto winning the title over Golden State again any day of the week, twice on Sunday, because I really like the team the Raptors have built. And, and let's go ahead and look at – at game six uh, that took place on Saturday. It seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, we haven't had basketball since Saturday, and here we are now uh, Wednesday as you're hearing this. And let's look at what happened here. The Kawhi Leonard show was on full effect. Uh, he finishes at plus seven with 27 points, 17 rebounds, seven assists, and he got help from all over. Kyle Lowry with 17, Pascal Siakam with 18 you had Fred Van Fleet, who somewhere in the middle of this series found his jumper, and that was, to me, the ultimate straw that really stuck it to the Bucks. because when Van Fleet finally was able to find his jumper and find his game, Milwaukee could not combat that, and that was the big, um, that was the big straw there that helped Toronto get over that hump. Chris, I'll start with you. Game six. What was that feeling in Toronto? I know you're there, and you, of course, I'm sure you were out celebrating afterwards. What was that feeling like watching the Raptors finally win? And do you think that that team, the way they're built right now, can be effective against the Golden State Warriors? Well, I wish I was celebrating. I was actually at the uh, score offices um, maybe like 10 or so minutes up the road from Scotiabank Arena, and I was covering the game. And everyone in the office, uh, it was a limited uh, writing staff that weekend just because it's a Saturday night, and we're all catching the action. And let me tell you, like the mood was extremely tense, especially from someone like me who's been following and covering the team for as long as I have. But especially at the start of Game 6 when Milwaukee was going on that run, which is understandable. They were playing in desperation mode. They were the team that was down 3-2. And I figured that they would have the hard start, the hot start, which seemed to be like the recurring theme between uh, throughout the series is that one team would get up to a hot start and then it would be a series of runs back and forth. But then the ultimate run when Toronto went on, I believe, off the top, it was like 26-3 to run that they went that culminated in them taking the lead like midway through the fourth quarter. And when that happened, I was still nervous because watching the Raptors for as long as I have, I always seem to expect the worst case scenario. And even during this postseason, when the complete opposite of that happens, like when, for example, when Toronto went down one, nothing to Orlando in the first round, I'm like, and Kyle Lowry didn't score. I'm like, here we go again. 
and then when they were down 2-1 to Philadelphia, and Joel Embiid was running around the court making the air, airplane signs and whatnot, I'm like, God, this is just the same story over and over again. But then, you know, obviously we all know Kawhi Leonard hits that game winner in Game 7, and then against Milwaukee we're down 2 nothing, and we take the 3-2 series lead. This Raptors team is just so damn resilient, and they proved that again in Game 6. And when that buzzer sounded and it was official that the Raptors were going to the NBA Finals, like, you could hear it down the road. Like, the, the fans went nuts. And the, the, the Toronto uh, Police Department put out a statement afterwards that there were no arrests made. There was no, like, no rambunctious activity. Like, Toronto played it cool, but they were still – it was a, still an electric atmosphere and one that I have never personally experienced before because the last time Toronto sports had such – uh, success was in 93 when they won the World Series and Joe Carter hit that home run, but I was only five years old at that time, so I couldn't really appreciate it. And now we're going into this NBA Finals, you know, well after the fact, you know, it's uh, what, deep into the week now. we got the game, game one tomorrow on Thursday, and uh, it, it, less, it, it at least let us soak in the moment that this is actually the reality. We're going to the NBA Finals, but now we have this giant roadblock in front of us the defending two-time champions you know three in the last four years golden state warriors some of the top players in the league even though kevin durand is currently hurt uh i think as constituted the roster that the raptors have put together was designed to win a championship and go head-to-head against this warrior squad and i think the fact that durand's out Igudala is ailing we don't know when demarcus cousins is going to be back in the lineup this is a golden opportunity for toronto to really shock the world and pull off the upset yeah i mean they have that chance uh without durant there, there is all kinds of, of possibilities there uh tim tim's kind of new to to basketball love as he's become the co-host of this show for the most part um but Tim was never really a huge basketball fan, but he has been following the Raptors. And, and this this team has kind of brought the country together a little bit, Tim, don't you think? Sure, but up here, too, you don't really have to follow the Raptors. The Raptors kind of follow you because they're the only gig <laughs> in the country. And they tend to be, like, I, I don't know, being from the West, I'm old enough that I remember the failed attempt in Vancouver. Um, by the way, city of Vancouver, take a hint from the uh, people of Toronto. That's how you behave during a championship run. You don't burn the city down. Just a little reminder. Um, I find the, 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 the Raptors team and that whole thing, it's kind of a, it's kind of like this country is where we don't get too hyped about stuff. And then you poke us a little bit and we kind of, well, you know, all right. And then stuff starts to build, and as more people start to pay attention, if the Raptors can win game one, there won't be anything else in this country until that series is over. Short of the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring Connor McDavid or something crazy like that, nothing will even come close to the coverage they're going to get and do get. I turn the TV on even here in Alberta, and it's Raptors, 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 Raptors. That's all it is. Which is good. And, you know, the Raptors now are, they were the next to last team to reach the NBA Finals that had never been there before, uh, apparently, uh, from the East, I should say, from the East. 
Um, the other team being the Charlotte Hornets. They never got there. But you look at Toronto now, and they have this daunting task ahead of them. The Golden State Warriors, without Durant, have been on an absolute roll. I don't think they've lost with I don't think they've lost since Durant went out. Um, and that's dangerous because Draymond Green seems to have really developed his his game a little better. Uh, you're looking at Steph Curry, who's playing lights out. Clay Thompson's playing well, and I'm going to tell you this: Clay Thompson's going to be one motivated dude because he missed out on an All NBA team, and he just missed out on about thirty million dollars uh, money wise for his contract by missing out on that NBA All NBA team. And there's a lot of people that think he got snubbed, but that's another conversation for later. But Clay Thompson could be an X factor in this series going forward. We see how the Warriors play. Chris, what do the Warriors need to do, or what do the Raptors need to do to try to slow down this team? Because Kawhi Leonard, who's probably their best defender, he was put on the Greek freak and able to slow Milwaukee down, and that was a big part of that. But he's not going to be able to guard everybody for the Warriors. Well, it's almost a blessing in disguise that Durant is currently out right now because that's one less guy on the Warriors' side that you really have to concern yourself with. I think the main two focal points for Toronto's defense are obviously going to be slowing down Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. And regardless of what you throw at them defensively, they're going to get theirs on offense. That's just a given. You know, shooters shoot, and we've seen them hit contested shots. We've seen them go out and transition and hit pull-up three-pointers more often than not. And so there's only... there's only so much you can do to kind of hamper them shooting the basketball. But I think Toronto, the the way they've gotten through this postseason has been on the back of their defense. And even a guy, for example, like Danny Green, who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat right now because his shot is so off, he still gives you versatility on the defensive end. And he's somebody that you can throw at a, a Clay Thompson or a Stephen Curry. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard, for example, if he gets paired up with Draymond or, or Iguodala or one of their forwards, you could also switch them off and have them on Curry and Thompson as well. Pascal Siakam can go up to the three-point line. So if the Warriors score, it, 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 the Raptors are going to make them work for it. And, again, it, we've seen the Raptors be boomer bust with their own shooting, but if they can kind of dictate the pace, dictate the tempo, and slow it down to a pace that's suitable to their style, I think it's going to throw Golden State off kilter, and it can throw them off rhythm as well. Tim, what's your thoughts on that? Don't forget our secret weapon. We got Drake. (laughs) That's the secret weapon? Well, you know, people, people people laugh about it, right? But he does kind of, he does get under the skin of opponents. Now I don't know. There's there's one guy in particular from Golden State who really is susceptible to that sort of stuff. I think, and who knows? But I think I, I mean when we get right down to the basketball part, it pains me to say that on at least on paper, for sure the Golden State is a, is a better team than Toronto. But we play the games for a reason, and who knows? I mean, Leonard is. I mean, Toronto is capable of beating Houston, of beating Golden State, but uh, it's going to take a supreme effort from everybody to get it done. No nights off. And and do you think that it's going to be a series where these guys are going to have to basically play perfect in order to win? 
uh, because a lot of people are saying that, a lot of people are thinking that. It's Chris, do you think Toronto basically has to be perfect in this series? I don't think they have to be perfect. I think they have to be as close to it as possible, and they can't get away with the games where they rely so heavily on Kawhi Leonard and the rest of the roster is extremely reluctant to shoot, and they almost kind of piggyback off of what Leonard is doing. Is like, well, if we're open at the top of the key, well, screw it. Where's Kawhi? We'll just give him the ball and let him dictate what we're doing like that you you can't get away with that and thankfully in the buck series you know one of the biggest criticisms of toronto has been its second unit and then all of a sudden fred van vliet has a, a second child and he turns into fred van curry guy can't miss from three-point range you know we need that kind of offense to continue into this series and norman powell was great serge Ibaka has given the raptors some really good minutes um but again if you know, I mean it's it's the Golden State Warriors we've seen like they're a proven commodity in the finals like this is nothing new to them the Raptors it's almost going to be like even without Durant you go into game one just the pressure the, the atmosphere of a game one it's the NBA finals something that only a handful of guys on the roster have been to before it could be overwhelming in a sense and I think that you know just continue to do what you've been doing this these entire playoffs play defense, get open looks. You know, Kawhi needs to play great. But if you if you want to beat this Golden State Warriors team four to four to seven times, especially, you know, if Durant does come back at some point in the series, you gotta win the games early, you gotta hold down your home court, and you can't give any opportunities for Golden State to really feel confident because when they feel confident, they'll steamroll right through you. Yeah, and they can do that. Um one thing the Raptors have maybe kind of in their back pocket, uh, so to speak, here is if you go back to the regular season this year, they hold two wins over the Golden State Warriors. They beat them twice this season, once at home in overtime, 131 to 128, and then they beat them at Oracle by 20, which was surprising. Now, granted, that was when they were really struggling, the Warriors were. But if you look at the stats from that game, Ibaka had 20, Lowry 23. Um, just a, an intense uh, game there for them to win. And I don't even think Kawhi played in this game, if I'm not mistaken, if, unless I'm overlooking something here, because I don't see his stat line in this game. So Kawhi may not have even played in this game. Yeah, um, he didn't play at the one in Oracle. Yeah, and they win by 20, which is shocking to me. Um, you know, Durant had 30 in that game. They held Clay Thompson to 14. Steph Curry only had 10. I mean, do they have the capabilities of doing that? Now, granted, the roster has changed um, because now you're looking at Mark Gasol. Uh, Serge Ibaka is on the floor uh, as the second unit guy, not the first unit. Um do they have the capability to beat this team four games out of seven when the Warriors have been playing like the Warriors have been playing? I try not to look too much into regular season results because if that was the case, then Milwaukee would be the ones in the NBA Finals right now and not the Toronto Raptors. True. I mean, I think it's always nice to have in the back of your mind that, hey, back in midseason we went into Oracle Arena and we pounded these guys without our best player. Like, that must make the Lowry's and the Siakam's of the of the Raptors feel good about themselves. But at the same time, that was so long ago that that's not really prevalent yeah, at the I moment. Don't, I don't think that amounts to, uh, to much, really. 
Um, I just don't. I think that's a dangerous way to look at things. Okay, well, we beat them what three months ago, or whatever it was, however long ago it was. I, I, I yeah. Playoffs are a, it's a new season. Everything fresh slate, blah blah blah, and all that talk is pretty accurate. I think um, you can't rest on what you did during the season. And let's remember, like the Warriors don't care about the regular season. Like yeah, a game no, in no, February no. against the visiting Raptors means very little to them. They wait until the playoffs because that's all that matters. When you have a proven track record like them, when you have the championship pedigree that they have, it's like, okay, we can drop a few games during the season. If they, if they truly cared, they could have gotten back to another 68-70 win campaign they are, had they like stayed they are, healthy the whole time. Sorry. They are a lot like the New England Patriots. They do enough to win, and then when they need to find some other way to win, they seem to do it with whatever personnel they have, whoever's available. Those guys seem to step up and they get it done. So be- beating them is not going to be easy. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, a matchup I'm looking forward to is actually at the five position. I kind of mentioned that Draymond Green plays the five a lot. They like to start Andrew Bogut and, and move Draymond around, and they bring in uh, Kevon Looney, guys like that. How's Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka and company, the guys that, that play that 4-5 or five position, how are they going to be able to rotate around and defend two two or three completely different players? Andrew Bogut's more the traditional five. Uh, Gasol, I think, can handle Bogut. But then once they switch up and go small, who do the Warriors or who do the Raptors move or who do they bring in? Do you want to put Ibaka in? Can he play small or do maybe you rotate Siakam around? From that four position, what what's their idea? Because the Warriors are going to try and push the tempo a lot, and that's what they do. And if you're the Raptors, you don't want to do that. But how are they going to guard in that particular way on defense? Yeah, you're going to see a lot of pairings of uh, Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka in this series. I mean, Marcus All has been the MVP of Toronto's defense. Like he shut down Vucevic in the first round. He Embiid while he was sick, you know, he took care of Embiid as well. Brooke Lopez obviously gave him some issues because Brooke Lopez can step out and hit the three pointer and he tends to live out there even more so than an Embiid. But with Golden State, you know, it, when you get to ramp back, they're going to be running a lot of those Hampton five lineups where you're going to see Draymond at the five. And when that's the case, Marcus All. I mean, bless his heart, what do you expect a, a 34, 35-year-old plotting center to do when their five-man on the opposite side is, is pretty much living on the perimeter and facilitating? So that's why you need someone a little more mobile uh, who can uh, defend those kinds of guys like Ibaka, like Pascal Siakam. So, uh, you know, Bogut, he's going to play limited minutes anyway. Like you said, if he starts, it's going to be like for five, six minutes, and then you may not even see him again. Gasol might have some uh, get some minutes like when like a Kavon Looney's out there and he pretty much lives in the paint area. Gasol can contend with that, but if if Golden State goes small and just starts lighting it up from downtown, Gasol he's gonna have he's gonna be seeing himself on the bench, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's what Golden State does with the way they match up. Uh, it's it's a, it's difficult to defend, difficult to play, but uh, they're they have the possibility. Uh, does Toronto of giving Golden State fits depending on what they do. We all saw years ago what that Spurs team with Kawhi Leonard did with the Warriors and how that series would have been completely different, I think, had the Warriors and Spurs played that series out. Kawhi Leonard was a man possessed. And I don't think 
in my opinion, I don't know anyone on Golden State who can actually guard Kawhi effectively. Maybe Clay Thompson, but I think that would be it. Um, maybe Draymond could have a really good shot at guarding, but are you going to want to have Draymond, your five, go off and guard the three from the other side is the question. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how the Warriors decide they're going to match up. But looking at this, home court advantage for Toronto. They have it uh, by – they got it by one game. Uh, they had one game better record than uh, Golden State. So they get home court. Does that factor in, Chris? Is this playing in Toronto, is it that difficult? Or is this kind of a thing where it's just like, eh, you know, somebody's got to get it, so might as well be Toronto. Well, this is something we haven't seen before. I mean, Golden State has held home court advantage. To the best of my knowledge, they've had it in each of the NBA finals they've been in these last four or five years. And so now they're starting game one on the road. And Toronto is not an easy place to play in. I mean, I don't know how much of the footage you've been seeing even outside of Scotiabank Arena. We have a, a, yeah. an area for fans Jurassic to watch the Park. game. Jurassic Park, yes. And uh, the fanfare out there is, is just insane. Obviously, you can't hear it from when you're inside the building, but inside it's just as uh, it's just as loud. It's going to get into Golden State's heads. I mean, this is the NBA Finals. Raptors fans have been craving this for the last 24 years, the existence of the franchise. And now that we're here, I think everyone's going to make a count, and Golden State's going to be in for the time of their life. Uh, having to deal with the crowd noise. And I think home court advantage is a huge factor. It, it certainly should boost Toronto's confidence in game one. Again, you're Kevin Durant, reigning two-time NBA Finals MVP, is not there. You have the support of 20,000 fans inside the building, possibly another 10,000 fans outside of the building. Like, And you're entering it as the underdog. No one necessarily expects the Raptors to win this series, even without Kevin Durant. So they're playing with house money right now. So I think it's kind of like a we-against-the-world kind of attitude, and that can only play in the Raptors' favor. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, anything you want to ask about the Raptors? I know you've been kind of following the team, and you even told me your son's coming over to watch the game tomorrow night. So you betcha. Go, go ahead. Throw something well, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about something that I don't, I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about really so far, and not just today, but even in the press and stuff. The coaching going to play a part in this series. Uh, well, it, it's kind of like uh, there's a big contrast between Steve Kerr and and Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, lest we forget, is a rookie head coach. I was proud of the guy again in in the Milwaukee series because when Toronto was down two nothing, a lot of people, including myself, were calling for some significant starting lineup changes. I figured that Marcus Gasol and Danny Green could be switched out. You throw Serge Ibaka in there and Norman Powell. But the only real adjustment he made was putting Kawhi Leonard on Giannis. And from their point on, Toronto won four straight games against a team that hadn't lost three straight the entire regular season. So he made one key adjustment. He realized that, hey, these are my veteran guys, Danny and Mark. They're going to get their act together eventually. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case offensively, but defensively, they were they were fantastic. And I think there's a, there's a trust that Nick Nurse has, has in his guys. I think he's willing to make the appropriate changes, but only if he deems them absolutely necessary. And this is one of those series where against Golden State, you know, the Golden State's going to throw – they have so many wings they can throw at Kawhi Leonard. They've got Iguodala, Durant when he returns, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. But I think he's going to try and find a way – to really throw the Warriors off their game. And whether that's, you know, it, it's not like when you had Giannis in Milwaukee and, you know, they you, you 
forced them into a half-court offense when they were really more of a transition team. And Giannis gets into the lane, he's kick it out to the shooters, and thankfully the shooters weren't hitting their shots. But I, I trust. I have a, certain, I have a level of trust now in Nick Nurse coming off that Buck series. But it's Steve Kerr. The guy, the guy has championship rings to flaunt at his disposal, and uh, obviously he's going to be the better coach. He's the proven coach, and this is nothing new to him. But uh, Nick Nurse, yeah, against that, uh, coming off that Buck series, uh, I have a newfound level of faith in him. So I may be the, the first person. Oh, sorry, go ahead. But let, me, let me just make a point here, Tim, and I'll get right back to yeah, you. No, no problem. I'm going to be the guy to bring this up. Steve Kerr, to me, I've yet to see him prove that he's a great coach. He's got, he is privileged with a team that is built to win. You give me that team, I'll get him somewhere. Now, granted, he's a great mind for the sport. He was a great player. But I'm not going to buy that Nick Nurse isn't as good of a coach as Steve Kerr because I've yet to see Steve Kerr face real adversity. Look at what Luke Walton did with this Golden State team when he took over. It's not hard to coach that team. That's just that's my two cents on that. So go ahead, Tim. Sorry. I was going to say, is there any chance that the ball rolls the other direction and that Golden State just uh, isn't really that interested anymore? So you think the Warriors are going to lose just because well, hey, well, we no, have all the championships? No, but let's say let's say that because they really never face any adversity, really. Let's say they go into Toronto and go down two nothing. Well, it's I mean Toronto, Toronto's playoff run is uh, you know going seven games with Philadelphia, overcoming the two nothing deficit against Milwaukee, like Golden State. I mean. They they had a, a bit of a scare in the first round against the Clippers, but I don't think they were ever in really I'm, really in any danger. Uh, I'm just equating Houston. it. I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong in trying to equate it to hockey, but you see it in hockey quite often where the veteran team they they win not so much anymore. But I'm a little bit older. But you would the team they would get to the Cup final, they'd win one or two in a row, and then that third or fourth one would come along, and it's just like you know the amount of effort that's really required to win this. We just don't have it to give anymore. We're still really, really good, and we could still win, but there's that you have to tap into that last uh, drop that you didn't think you had, if that makes sense. And that gets harder to do because you, you've done it already, right? And if you don't win, it's not really the end of the world for those guys. No, I see. I would disagree with that because I think the narrative is different this time around, uh, especially for someone like Stephen Curry, who has that extra bit of incentive to become an, an NBA Finals MVP. He's had to watch Kevin get it the last two years, and hey, Durant isn't around anymore. Maybe this is my time to put a mark on a on a Finals and add that Finals MVP to my resume. And there's also history at stake as well. I mean, how often do teams get to win three consecutive championships? Oh, so my next I think, question was, would it be the other way around where they realize this is their last kick? Likely. Well, no one knows what uh, Kevin Durant's going to do if, this yeah, offseason. If, if the team blows up, but then they're probably not going to be anywhere near as good. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, I I think they're still going to be a championship still gonna be good. even if Durant goes. As so even if, if they, they, they won 73 games without Kevin Durant. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, there's some pieces that uh, are no longer around, unless you want to count Andrew Bogut as like a, you know, an, a, 
an aging Andrew Bogut is a key part of that team. But at the same time, you still have Stephen Curry. You still have Draymond Green. You still have Steve Kerr as a coach. You still have Clay Thompson, who I assume is going to stick around for long term as well. They're still going to be up there in the upper echelon of teams in the association, even if KD walks. So, but again, like going back to my point, I don't get any sense of like championship fatigue from the Warriors. They're coming off a clean sweep of a really good Portland Trailblazers team. Obviously, going against Mo Harkless and Alfaru Kaminu and Myers Leonard is not the same as Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and Pascal Siakam, but I certainly don't think that Gold State's going to put forth a half-assed effort just because, hey, we no matter what happens today, we're still going to be remembered as almost of a dynasty as one of the greatest teams in, of all time, I think they're really going to go for it. Why wouldn't they, right? It's the championship. No, no, no. I'm not disagreeing at all. I'm just I'm poking the bear is all I'm doing. No, absolutely. I get that. <laughs> you definitely poked it pretty a uh, little hard there. <laughs> I, I figure as long as, as long as LeBron <laughs> is not winning, I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Huh. Jeez, you said LeBron just James? Pissed, just did yeah, I poke the bear again without without knowing it? No. <laughs> I'd just like to see somebody else win. It wouldn't even have to be Toronto. I'd have been quite happy if, if Milwaukee would have beat Toronto. I would have been hoping that Milwaukee could somehow find a way to beat Golden State. Right. I like it when, when somebody else. I mean, Golden State's a great team. All the power to them. All the credit in the world. They're good. But after a while, it does kind of take the... You know, when the season starts up and it's, well, who's the favorite to win this year? Oh, Golden State. And everybody pretty much knows it's, you know, there's a 90% chance of it coming true. It, I think it takes away from the game a tiny bit. Uh, Chris, two more things and then we'll let you go. Um, I know you're busy and we've kept you quite a while here, but I do want to bring up two more things. Um, the The days off between games, because there's a there's a couple days in between each game now. How does that affect these two teams? Because Golden State, they've been sitting for a long time right now. Uh, now, whether they're using that to get healthy or maybe they're going to have a little bit of rust, that depends on how it looks. But there's going to be a couple couple days in between games because we have a Thursday game, and then I think the next game is Sunday. So how does that affect these players? Uh, it certainly affects their rhythm. I think Golden State already missing as, as much time as they have just sweeping through Portland, you know, as well as Stephen Curry played in that round. I mean, obviously it's going to have some sort of an impact on him. That's why I think Toronto's going to win game one because not only is Durant out, but Golden State has been sitting idly by waiting for the Eastern Conference Finals to end. That uh, it's I don't see any reason why it wouldn't throw them off. That was the case with uh, Milwaukee. In game one, for three quarters, the Raptors were up in that game. This series probably could have been over a lot earlier had it not been for the Raptors' fourth quarter. And it's just because Milwaukee dominated Boston. They were off for a while. The Raptors had to go seven with Philadelphia. They were in a rhythm. They were in a groove. And that was evident for the first three quarters of that game. But then, obviously, you know their legs kind of gave out from underneath them, and they got tired, and Milwaukee came back and won that game. But in a series like this, having – Kawhi Leonard, you know, Nick Nurse riding Kawhi Leonard as much as he does, you can get away with paying your key guys like heavy minutes. Give, have them out there for 40, 42 minutes a game if your bench is struggling, you know, and, and 
this is why he did the whole load management thing throughout the entire regular season. Give Kawhi his rest so he can go into the playoffs and you don't have to worry about running him into the ground. So having these two days off, not only does it give you a time to recuperate and rehash a new game plan for both sides, but it's like, okay, we have our top guys here. This is our top rotation. Let's let's have them either win or lose this series. So I'm all for like this extended break between games, and it obviously prolongs the series, and it lets me enjoy the fact that the Raptors are in the NBA Finals. <laughs> Do you know for sure is it something the league did on purpose, or is it because the Scotiabank or the arenas are booked for other stuff, and that's the best dates they can get? Oh, I I couldn't tell you. I just think I think the finals have always been like well, this. Somebody, always like a big. Somebody said that the, I believe it's the Who is playing Toronto on Saturday. And that's oh. why they could and that's why they couldn't have the Saturday date. And I don't know if that's uh, I couldn't tell not. you. I don't know if that's true either. If I suppose a quick search on the internet would probably prove whether that was a fact or not. Because that would have been booked hmm. months months in advance. So They're playing Scotiabank yeah, Bank Arena on Saturday, the Who are. Okay, so there you go. Interesting. It is. Uh, one last thing for me, Chris, um, and I want to bring this up because I saw this online. Of course, people are going to say this and that, but only one season in Toronto so far. Is Kawhi Leonard the greatest Raptor ever? Oh, God, you want me to go on a major rant right now about <laughs> what, it, what it entitles to be the greatest Raptor? Uh Okay, off the uh, for for the longest time I would say it was either DeRozan or Lowry. I gave DeRozan the slight edge just because he was the franchise's all-time leading scorer, but I could also make a case for Lowry because the winning really started when he was here. Um based on how this NBA finals goes, if the Raptors win the championship, it's Kawhi Leonard. And there's no debate about it. You can go in terms of the numbers with DeRozan, you can go in terms of longevity with the DeRozan or Lowry, you can go uh, you know, the cultural significance that Vince Carter had in really establishing Canadian basketball and putting the franchise on the map in the first place. But everything that Kawhi Leonard has done during this playoff run, the numbers that he's been producing, the moments that he's been providing, he's either, he's probably one or two already, which is kind of insane. Like the, the, the success that he's had this one year, and hopefully it goes beyond this season, but what he's already accomplished in one year is mind-blowing to me. Because I don't think even the most optimistic of people, I don't think even they necessarily expected this season to turn out as well as it has. And for Kawhi Leonard to return not only to an all-star level, but to really put his foot down as like a top five player, maybe in the entire world. And right now, just like to definitively answer your question, you know what? I'm going to say it. Kawhi Leonard is the greatest player in Toronto Raptors history. You can't deny what he's done during this postseason run. You know, the 58-win season, the second greatest in franchise history. And if he, if the Raptors even win one game in this series, if if Golden State just, you know, runs ramshot through him again, or runs, you know, gunshot through the finals, and it's like a 4-1 series, at least the Raptors could say they won a finals game, which is one more than the Cavaliers won the last two years because they were swept both years. Ooh. Shots. Look, I had to deal with all the LeBron toe jokes for the last two years, so if I can take one more shot. Throw the shade. Throw it. I'm throwing all the shade, man. Look, this this is – 
this is the most fun I've ever had covering basketball in my entire life. I used to work for the Toronto Raptors in their game operations department. I used to write about the Raptors for a number of sites. Now I just I, I tweet about them and I write the occasional story. This is great. This is great for the city. This is great for the country. This is, you know, whether it ends uh, in, a, in a sweep at the hands of the Warriors, whether Kawhi Leonard walks to Los Angeles this summer, I think ultimately what Masai Ujiri did by acquiring Leonard, giving up DeRozan, who wanted to be here more than anything, firing the head coach of the year in Dwayne Casey, ultimately it was all worth it. I would go through this whole ride all over again if I could. Wow. Tim, do you have anything else for Chris? We need to let him go. I know we've kept him too long. Yeah, we should, we should let him go because if I, if I poke him again, he's probably not going to speak with us again. <laughs> <laughs> and, Chris, I'm going to agree with you. on. I think Kawhi Leonard actually is the greatest Raptor. And we do want to say sorry to our good friend Tracy Murray, who was a great Raptor as well. Uh, he's been on the show. And, Tracy, sorry, buddy, you just missed the cut on that Shout one. Shout out but, to uh, Tracy we, <laughs> uh, He's a great guy. But, um Chris, guy, thank yeah. you so much for getting on here with us and talking to us and, and breaking down the Raptors. And who knows, next week we may have you back again if you're free because there could be a lot to talk about depending on how these games go. So why don't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and hear more from the score and Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors. Well, if you have me on the podcast again, if the Raptors win the championship, it might be hard to understand what I'm saying because I'm going to be so inebriated from all the partying I'm going to be doing in downtown Toronto. But uh, that's not <laughs> I a problem. You guys I, having... speak, I speak drunk Canadianese quite good, so we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Walder Sports and uh, check out all of the news stories that I do over on the Score app. All right. Well, thanks, Chris, and thanks for uh, getting with us here on this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump, and I'm glad we're ending now because my power just flickered because it's about to come a shitstorm outside. So thanks a lot, man, and we will have you back on real soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. You too, You too. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com. C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on Cambay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on cambay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know cambay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's cambay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. And unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join cambay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. Thanks again to our sponsors, cambay.com. Check them out. Use promo code WIDEMAN to get 20 free credits. Also, Chris Walder, thanks to him for jumping on from the score up in Toronto. Thank God we cut Tim off before Tim pissed him off. Chris the Humbler Walder, we're going to call him from now on. 
But he's great. Always great to hear from Chris. He always gives some great insight on the Raptors. And uh, we hope that was a decent preview for you of the NBA Finals. Uh, We're looking forward to it. We really are. I think the Finals this year will be fun. Um, I'm taking, again, Raptors in five. Or not Raptors, excuse me, Warriors in five. I'm taking Warriors in five. What do you think? Can I make two predictions? Absolutely. All right, my brain, Golden State in six. My mushy parts, Toronto in seven. Okay. All right. What nothing wrong with those picks? Which nothing wrong somebody, with that. Which means somebody will win in, in a state. Because I picked you. Know, just guaranteed it now. Well, that's one thing, but I do want to tell you, Tim, with Memorial Day the other day, man, oh, man, took full advantage of Stay Classy Meats. Josh gives a woo, but Stay Classy Meats. both of you. (laughs) Uh, Just some of the best food you can have. I put them over every week, Um, and, you know, the steaks were fantastic. The pork chops fall off the bone. The bison burgers, just so good. The the buffalo ribeye was delicious. And, of course, the, the Italian sausage is fantastic. And, you know, I'm not going to go on and on about how good it was, but it was so good. There's pictures up online, so check them out. And you, can, you yourself can sample the Stay Classy Meat uh, choices over at stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your purchase, and that's 10% off just for listening to this show. So all you have to do is go there, get what you want. You can get a small box. You can get all the way up to the 30-pound box that they sent me. And you can pick what you want even. If you want to do that, you have that option. So you can go in, get your order, 10% off your purchase. Use promo code WIDEMEN, Stay Classy Meats. Check them out. This is top quality stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. It was so good, Tim. You just you missed out. They've also uh, provided me with a response to that age-old question of what the hell is in Montana. <laughs> exactly, that they have. Stay Classy Meats, awesome place. Go awesome, fantastic. But uh, last week, Tim, we talked about dynasties a little bit. We we got into it, and then TR called. We tried, um, and then we were interrupted by some buffoon. <laughs> some wild man on the road crazy guy. for some, yeah, for some shipping company that will remain nameless. Uh, LHD, but anyway, will remain named several times. Yes, uh, we we want to take a second and talk a little bit about dynasties. Tim, what again? Who are some of the teams, or who maybe not the teams, maybe even the years that you would consider a good dynasty? I think we can all agree that the Bulls of the nineties. Um, uh, we can agree there. I'll go back from them. How about the? Six to ninety-two Pistons. They they won what one one uh, title twice, twice two, two titles. To me, two titles a dynasty does not make. That that's my. Yeah, well, your that, list gets pretty short then after that. To be quite honest, I mean, I like the bad boys, but I wouldn't call them a dynasty per se. Um, I would call the Celtics and the Lakers of the eighties dynasties. Because to me, it's not about winning them in a row. It's just about winning them. Okay, well, then you've got then you've got the eighty to eighty eight Lakers, who yeah, won five, two, five times. Okay, and, and the Celtics won what about three? Are you in there? I'm not even sure, but 
And of course, you can go back to the '60s, the, yeah, the Celtics the 80, with Russell yeah, 81, and Kuzi, and the '81, '87 Celtics won what? Three? I think they won three. Mm, you know, it doesn't. They're on the list, but it. I'm pretty sure they won at least three. I'm almost certain. I think the minimum has got to be three. I mean, when you, I mean, and then you got you got to throw in a few other things. In 1986, the Boston Celtics were 40 and one at home. <laughs> can you Whew. imagine? Can you imagine having to go into another team's barn, knowing that so far in the season they were like 34 and 0 at home? That's <laughs> like, insane. They were 30, that they were is 40, insane. In 86, they were 40 and one, and in 87, they were 39 and two, which are the two best records for a home team in NBA history. Now that's a, and then throw in three titles. That's a dynasty where it just can be. Um, some people are calling the Houston Rockets from the nineties one. I don't consider them a dynasty. They won two titles back to back, but in my opinion, if uh, Michael doesn't play baseball, no dynasty there, no titles. Yeah, they're, they're, um, the ninety to ninety eight Bulls. All right, fine. Absolutely, six titles yeah. in in eight years. Absolutely, but no no argument there. The um, Miami Heat from 2010-2014, I'm not calling it that. I, only, I, I can't do only, it. It's only two. Only they're two. Only. I can't. I just can't. Wow. They were darn close and probably should have, uh, even considering that they split up after that, they probably should have won another one in there at least. But um, uh, The current Golden State Warriors, if they win this year, dynasty. Yes. Dynasty to me. No doubt um, Okay, uh, the early 2000s Los Angeles Lakers, they won three in a row, 2000, 2001, 2002, with Kobe and Shaq. Man, that's a dynasty to me. Those guys were unbeatable together, and they had such good players with them. Ori, Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, um, Brian Shaw was there. Glenn Rice was there early on. They just had some players, man, and they were a great team. Devin George was on those teams and they had some battles with the Kings. I got to, I got to throw those Lakers in there, man. That's a dynasty. Well, you got to, you know, there's always those uh, other stats that you should be able to throw in there. Right? Like they, yeah. the, the Lakers were, um, well, let's, uh, uh, they won 181 times in three seasons, which was more than anybody else has been able to do. Uh, they outscored their opponents by 330 points. I mean, that's just insane. So, I mean, we're talking about – and there's another one where probably if they had could have gone along, they probably – Yeah, I mean, there was more. They could have chalked up at least one or two more probably if they hadn't yeah. been the Eagles the, had away. And the Celtics of the 80s, 81, 84, 86, they won three titles. Okay, so we can keep them. We, we threw the Spurs in there. I'm throwing the Spurs in there, uh, and the Spurs dynasty to me runs all the way from, I'll say, right after Jordan retired, so 99 all the way to 2014, because if you look at it, you got to start with Tim Duncan, because Duncan got drafted 97, um, and then after that, he and David Robinson win the title in the shortened season of 99 because of the player lockout. Then they win another title in 03, a title in 05, a, th- a title in 07, and a title in 2014. They had the same core of players and coach. 
They had Tony Parker. They had Manu Ginobili. They had Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. To me, that's a franchise, or that's a dynasty. From 98 till right now, they've won 100 more games than any other NBA franchise. Yeah, I mean, and they haven't missed the playoffs since, what was it, 1999 or something like that, or 98? I've outscored their opponents by nearly 9,000 points in that time frame. So, yeah. I mean, they've been, they've been not just getting to the final and then being crappy for two years and getting to the final. They've been solid that whole time. Um, yeah. You know, five it's, been over, it's been over 17 years since the Spurs missed the playoffs. Five titles in there, tossed in there randomly at whatever years. Well, if they aren't one, then I, you know what? I don't know what is. If they, if that doesn't count, I don't know what does. They started in 1998, and they haven't missed the playoffs since. So there you go. Yeah, that I would to me. That, you know, well, if you if 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 you if you water down the criteria too much, then you've got you know, well, who isn't the dynasty? You know. Yeah. Then we, you know, we talked about, we talked about the Showtime Lakers. We talked about the Bulls of the nineties. And then, uh, of course the Celtics from the fifties to the late sixties, they won 11 titles from 1957 to 1969, 11 titles in 13 years. You just can't argue with that. I mean, you could go, no, you're going to start, you start throwing in teams like the Knicks who won twice in the seventies, but that's, that was it. They never, never did anything before and never did anything after. Exactly. Know? I mean, to me, two titles does not make a dynasty. You got to put some championships in there because that's what a dynasty is all about is winning a championship. Uh, you don't call a team that wins two titles and then never gets there again. You, I can't, I can't salute that. I can't. We're, we're, we're looking at you Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, there you go. Cleveland Cavaliers, they got there a bunch of times, never could win. They won them once. Uh, so that that's what we're we're calling a dynasty. If you agree with us or you don't agree with us, let us know. Tweet us at wide jump. Yeah, let us know a, what you think. It'll be a certain amount of, you know, there's always that fan bias that jumps in there that Oh yeah, of course. Well, how, how could you not call my team? But like I'm hard pressed to come up with anybody else. Now, to me, those are the only dynasties. What? Okay, so let's let's just figure it now. The Celtics from the fifties to the sixties, the show the the Lakers and Celtics of the eighties. We both agreed. The yeah. uh, Bulls in the nineties. Definitely. The Spurs from the late nineties to two thousand and fourteen. Definitely. The Lakers. The Lakers from the early two thousands. Definitely. And if Golden State wins the next title, Golden State. And we'll give them one, yeah. And after that, that would be uh, five. That would be six dynasties, I think. Five to six dynasties throughout NBA to, history. You're gonna have to go back. You know, you. I suppose you might make a case for the early '40s, late or late '40s, early '50s Lakers, back when they were in Minneapolis. But Jesus, that's well. Then, then you're looking at like you're looking, looking at, at maybe a handful of teams. Well, I'll, I mean, in, in all seriousness, all I have to do is look at the team picture. Yeah. No black players. That makes a difference, honestly. Well, yeah, no, and I'm not being a smartass saying it. I mean, they got 11. There's a, the team is entirely white guys, so I'm going to assume that. Uh, well, not assume. I know that that's before the advent before black guys got into the league. And let's be honest, yeah. that, that changed the entire 
way basketball was played. So Absolutely. Absolutely. But speaking of changing the way basketball has been played, let's talk about those 76ers. And that's the last yeah. thing we're going to talk about tonight to, to wrap it up. Given the greatest Christmas gift you could ever get. You know, I feel like we need to send the self there the uh, the seventy sixers uh, a Christmas present this year because without them, what we wouldn't have as much content as we have here on this show. I think the Lakers have caught wind of it. Yeah, apparently they're working on it too. Are doing their best to try to try to catch up in the Follies department, but and we we may have to call the Lakers. Uh, get some Lakers coverage on here soon. So we may be doing that within the next week or two. Uh, sorry, I couldn't get Rob Beard this week. I'm going to ask, I'm going to try and get him next week. We're going to try and talk about his mock draft. Uh, oh, so we'll okay. look at that. I think we can get Magic Johnson. He seems to <laughs> want to tell anyone who will listen. He wants to tell anybody that will listen. I'm, I may hit up his people. Let's see what happens. Magic but uh, we did have, we promised it from last week. Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times, he's back. And he gave us this interview to talk a about the 76ers. Of, what went little, wrong? Yeah, a little Philly. bit of what we might want to call insider info, I guess. A little bit. A little bit. We talked about Ben Simmons' as shooting coaches. Uh, we talk about what's going on. Uh, who, do you, who do we think stays? Who is going to walk? Was the, you know, of course, we've debunked the process here before. How many, how many players can lift their hands over their heads at the start of this season? Well, <laughs> more can at the end than at the beginning. We'll we'll say that. But we're going to go to it now. Here's our interview with Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times. We'll be back to wrap up the show. Roll that tape. Well, back on the show again is Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times. And, Tom, thank you so much for jumping on again. We're going to talk a little bit of Philadelphia. Um, we're going to talk a little more Philly basketball here because there's some stuff coming out. But how are you doing, Tom? It's good to hear from you again. I'm fine. How's everything with you? Doing good. Wide Men Can't Jump continues to grow, and uh, we're always happy to have you on the show. And I know our listeners always ask, they're like, can you please get Tom back on? We love the way he speaks. He's a He's a great interview, and one guy even suggested to have you co-host the show one time. I said, I don't think Tom's got two hours of his evening free to do so, but. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, very kind of people. Yes, they, they enjoy having you Apparently. Yes. <laughs> yes. But anyway. They don't get out much. How about that? No, nah, they, they, nah, our, listener, our listeners love it. And you're a great, a great interview, Tom, and it's great to hear from you again. So let's go ahead and talk some Philly basketball. Um, sure. The 76ers, uh, they lose in Game 7 to the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference semis on a heartbreaking, just Plinko-like shot as the ball fell in. I've even went so far online as to read some people saying that ball was dragged in by magnets. Um, that's oh, a real yeah. thing, by the way. If you if you go on, on YouTube, that's a thing. But um, – just how heartbreaking was that that loss to Toronto in Game Seven for Philly or for Seventy Six? Well, yeah, it was a really uh, strange. You know, they um, they got smoked in Game One, and then they won Game Two, and then came home and dominated Game Three, and, and they're up two one and beat out a monster game. You're thinking, you know, people here, myself included, all of a sudden you you can envision them going to the NBA Finals. You could not that it's going to happen. 
repeatedly happening. Then they lost game four, and Embiid, you know, had healthy health issues. His He had an upper respiratory issue after he had a stomach issue earlier, in the, um, and his knee was bothering him with tendinitis. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I, I was asked, would you call this season a success? And I would say I would call it uh, small progress. Um, uh, but if you had told me going into the season with the roster they had starting the season, I would say, you know, that's a success getting to the seventh game in the second round against the Raptors. But when you trade for Jimmy Butler and you trade for Tobias Harris, you know, the expectations increase. So I would say, you know, uh, you know, and the, the managing partner, Josh Harris, said several times late in the season and early in the playoffs that, you know, a similar finish to last year, not getting to the conference finals, i.e., um, would be, quote, unquote, problematic. Now, they chose to bring Brett Brown back, um, which I think under the circumstances is the right thing to do. But, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. You know, uh, they gave up a pretty a lot for Tobias Harris and a decent amount for Jimmy Butler. You know, if, if either one of them chooses not to come back, um, you know, that, that, is, that is troublesome for this team because the big free agents, you know, it's hard to imagine Kevin Durant coming here, Clay Thompson coming here, or Kawhi Leonard coming here. Those are the three big – you know, names, so, you know, they they could kind of be in a scramble mode uh, July 2nd or whatever if, you know, Butler chooses to go elsewhere or even Tobias Harris. Well, let's talk about Butler. Uh, you know, listeners know he's not exactly my favorite player in the world, but Butler did tweet the other day or Instagram post the other day, uh, kind of a cryptic post about thank you to everyone and it almost seemed like he posted like he was leaving uh what's what's the feel in philly right now do they think butler's gone butler's a quirky dude as you know from you know following the Timberwolves and the bulls and so on you know he's a hard guy to read i mean if you look logically you looked at you know where is he going to be join a better team um um, and there's nowhere he can get more money than with the Sixers. They can offer him a, a five-year max deal worth $190 million. Um, but if he decides he wants to play for the Clippers or, you know, the, the Lakers or whoever has, I think the next, those teams could offer him four years, $140 million. That's the, uh, that's, uh, that's what another team could offer him um, unless they work out a sign-and-trade deal. You know, he mm-hmm. could go. And, Seemed like he really liked it here. Embiid loved him. He really kind of Embiid really, you know, followed followed him and did things and you know really believed in him and you know his you know he was very important for that team, especially with Embiid not being a hundred percent with his ability to you know read situations. If they need him to score in a playoff game, he scored. If they needed him to set people up, he would set people up. Um, uh, he can yes take plays off. Uh, both ends of the court at times, but in the playoffs, I mean, he he was their leading scorer in the Raptors series. He he outscored and beat. So I think the Philly fans really want him back. They like the way he plays. They like kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve, and they like him. You know, he's not afraid to criticize guys and so on. He's kind of a Philly type guy. They don't like guys who are kind of too cool for school, which I think is one of the reasons maybe they haven't like gone too gaga over Ben Simmons. Uh, because he is kind of the anti-Jimmy Butler in terms of the way he approaches things and how, you know, you can kind of see if he's happy or not um, out there. But 
you know, they got to hope that he comes back because if they don't, they got to figure out another way. Even if Tobias Harris comes back, they need a, they need another guy. And whether they make a trade or maybe they could pursue Chris Middleton or somebody who's maybe not quite at that level. But, you know, you don't trade for those guys during a season to rent them for, in Butler's case, you know, six months and in Tobias Harris's case for like three months. You know, you, you do that thinking, you, you know, long term because you have the ability to pay them more than anybody else. Did you feel like it during the playoff run that the Sixers were really starter heavy and then the bench just wasn't there for them? Like, I know Ennis played decent. Boban had some good minutes, but... Other than that, did you feel like maybe the uh, the bench was kind of missing from this Philly team? Maybe that was what they missed. Well, yeah, I mean, but but I mean, Elton Brand kind of made his bed in that respect when making those trades. When you trade um, um, Dario Saric and you trade Robert Covington to get Butler, that's two starters for one. Now, admittedly, you know Butler's a better player than either of those guys, but that affects your depth. And then in the uh, in the trade in which they got Tobias Harris, it was two first-round picks, plus, you know, a rookie a shooting guard, uh, Landry Shamit, who really helped, you know, really helped the Sixers and would be a potential starter going forward. So that is um, – that's kind of what they did. And, yes, I mean, Mike Scott started the playoffs. He was injured the first two games, so they were really shorthanded. They were almost playing six guys. Boban was okay. Boban was okay in the first-round series against the Nets. He just couldn't compete against the Raptors because Ibaka uh, was too quick. So, really, he didn't know what to do. He tried Monroe as a backup center. He tried going small with Scott or even Simmons or, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Amir Johnson a little bit and uh, Bolden. I mean, he was just kind of grasping at straws. Um, so there's no question depth was a significant issue. The starters played heavy minutes. You know, there were games where there was only one bench guy who would play more than 15 minutes. So the starters really, uh, you know, were, had to carry the load, but you sort of saw that was going to be the case when you make that second trade, um, you know, when you make that second trade for Tobias Harris. And Shamit was kind of their shooter off the bench. But that was that and two first rounders is what it took to bring him here. So clearly they need to address depth. But you know, it's interesting if they bring. It, it, let's say Butler resigns and Tobias Harris resigns. You could also resign JJ Redick if you want. Um, James Ennis is opting out of his contract. They could conceivably bring him back, um, and Mike Scott if they wanted to, or they could. They could. They really need a backup center who they can count on. I mean, when in that last series. Um, even though Embiid struggled a little bit with his shot and, you know, with his conditioning, uh, he was the, – the, the difference – He on the court, I think he was like plus 99 when he played, and when he was off the court, I think they were outscored by 117. The one game, um, Boban played four and a half minutes in the first half, and the Sixers, I think it was game four against the Raptors, and the Sixers were outscored by 15 in those four and a half minutes. So they just couldn't hide. The other team just go right down Broadway or run pick and rolls, and he just couldn't get out on guys. Um, and they kind of figured out how to exploit Boban um, and those backup centers. So Embiid had to play a lot of minutes. He had his, his wind was an issue. He wasn't posting up because literally he, he would run 70 feet down the field to stand at the three-point line because he didn't have the energy to run 85 feet and, you know, get in the lane. Um, 
there were, I don't think he posted up a single time in the second half of game seven. So he's got to get his conditioning right. He's got to change his diet. You know, Ben Simmons has to, has to, has to develop a mid-range game. The average distance of his shot in the Raptor series was 2.6 feet. So, I mean, he, he's not wow. taking six-footers. We're not talking three-pointers. I mean, a 10-footer should be a very high percentage shot, and he wouldn't take it. And teams know that, and that affects spacing and, you know, clogs up, clogs up the lane. They just pack everything in. So those are things that the Sixers ha- have to do. Indeed wasn't healthy last year in the playoffs either after having a facial fracture. So the two times they made the playoffs, he has been less than 100%, and that is problematic. That, and you brought up Simmons' jump shot, and that's been a point of that's been my point of contingent with Ben Simmons ever since he came into the league. And my co-host Tr and my co-host Tim, we we all follow the Sixers closely. It's Tr's hometown team, so we like to to pay attention there. Um, it was interesting to see Philly draft Simmons, and then the year later trade up draft Fultz. Now Fultz is gone, and you're looking at Simmons who has still has yet to develop a jump shot. And, you know, I, I always compare him to a more athletic, bigger Ricky Rubio, but I mean, at least Rubio will attempt the shot. Simmons isn't even attempting the shot. He's yet to attempt a three pointer in, in his career. Is this, this has well, to be that, what he's that, working that, on not, this summer. Well, and then he should be, but I mean, his brother is his shooting coach. It is not an ideal situation. His brother was yeah. a low level, like college coach. Um, he actually oh. has attempted like 15, like 15 threes in the course of his career, oh. but I think only like three of them were actual threes. The other ones are like half court court keys at the end of a period. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, but I mean, he hasn't made one and I don't think he, I believe he hasn't attempted any in the playoffs in whatever, you know, whatever the number of games, 23 playoff games over two years. But yes, I, and I don't even care about the threes. To me, the threes yeah, are, okay. are very overrated. But, I mean, a 10- or 12-footer is not a lot to ask. And he will get into the lane, get six feet from the basket, and either have to go all the way to the rim or kick it out to somebody or pass it back to somebody. And I think part of it with him, too, his his shot is so poor that he doesn't want to go – he doesn't go hard to the rim because I think he's afraid he's going to get fouled. And if he gets fouled, he's got to go to the line. And he's a 60% free-throw shooter, and teams know that. But they, they, they kind of figured him out. So, I mean, he's going to play for Australia this summer, too. So you wonder if the, the Ben Simmons that comes back is going to be much different um, than the Ben Simmons that ended the season. Um, and I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, the Sixers really – I think what they did was I think they, they envisioned Fultz as kind of a guy who could play the one and the two, who can play off the ball and on the ball, who's six four but has a wingspan of six ten, so he can guard one and twos. And they, that you know they drafted him when they were they were they were um, planning on making the switch with Simmons going from a four man to a point guard. To, um, and I think he was kind of a hedge um, in terms of if he couldn't play the point, Fultz could do it, but he could also play off the ball. To me, it's the same thing as the reason that Sam Hinkie drafted Okafor when Embiid hadn't played the first two years because they didn't know. If, if Embiid was going to play. So Okafor was kind of, he could be a center, a low post guy if you needed him to. The problem was Embiid gets healthy and they can't play together because neither one of them, you don't want Embiid chasing fours and, and Okafor didn't move well enough to chase fours. So 
Yes, it is problematic. They would have the 14th pick in the draft this year, but that Brian Colangelo traded that along with a third pick to the Celtics to get uh, Markel Fultz, who they probably could have would have fallen, fallen into their laps at number three in the draft. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's just kind of the story of the Sixers here. And you know, a lot of people have talked about them over the years. As the you know, of course, we here at this show are not process people. We you know, it, it, we keep coming back to that eventually. But we're not process people here. Uh, and or you know, the Sixers fan TR he calls him Scam Hinky, not Sam Hinky. So, um, but I think. You know, looking forward here, the Sixers are going to have to get some help. And maybe I'm looking at Joel Embiid the wrong way, but I feel like Embiid may have maybe a little injury prone. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Because he seems like well, he's, I mean, he's hurt I, quite a bit. Yeah, he, well, yeah. I mean, based on the track record, you know, the three years he's played, he didn't finish his first year, which was actually his third, because he didn't play the first two years due to a pair of foot surgeries. But he needed meniscus surgery and missed, like, the last 25 games of his third year. Then he had a facial fracture at the end of his fourth year and didn't play in the first two playoff games um, against the Heat, came back and was not 100% and could not take Aaron Baines one-on-one late, you know, in key spots in that series against the Celtics. And then this year he – he played in 54 of the first 58 games, and I think that was too much. He wants to play, and I think he wore down, and I think that's why he had the tendonitis, and then he had a he had a stomach bug early in the playoffs, and then he had an upper respiratory infection that affected him during games four and five against the Raptors. So, yes, based on the track record, he has not been healthy. He has not finished a regular season or started the playoffs healthy, you know, in his three years, you know, in which one one or both of those things has happened, so that's why I think he needs to he needs to lose you know ten or twelve pounds or more clearly define himself, lifting weights more, and his his eating habits. I think he needs to you know follow uh, you know a stricter diet, and I and because I, I think if he were healthy, they would have beat the Raptors. I don't know if they would beat the Bucks, but you know I think they certainly were capable of beating the Raptors. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that, that Brett Brown gets another year because, you know, he had a less than 100%, you know, in beat again in the playoffs um, and a shot that, you know, Kawhi Leonard takes. When's the last time you saw a baseline jumper that, that is short, hits the rim four times and goes in? I mean, I don't, I've <laughs> never seen that at any point, let alone to win a game seven, you know. like So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's those it, matches in the it, rim that the people on YouTube are talking about. <laughs> yeah, really. It was it was surreal. It seemed like that ball was in the air forever. They were they were I joking know. in Philly that the the uh the double doink, um, you know, the crossbar and and um the crossbar and goal post uh that yeah. the the field goal from the Bears uh that, that didn't go in that the Eagles won and advanced to the divisional round last year. It was kinda like uh payback for that. You got that one but you're not gonna get this one, you know. <laughs> you know that's actually a uh i guess it all comes full circle there but the sixers um tom you know you you would know more than i would what's the cap space like this year for the sixers like where where are they you know are, are they gonna have a lot of money to make some moves maybe you mentioned chris middleton uh i've heard chris middleton's name with almost every team in the nba so far 
But realistically, yeah. other than Middleton, maybe maybe who could they get to add some depth to this team? Because I think they're going to need it. And let's just say hypothetically, everyone sticks around. Same team comes back. Um, really, no, nothing coming draft wise. Who who do they bring in? Who who's a the guy they have well, their eye on? They have the twenty fourth pick in the draft. Um, and if they re-sign Butler and re-sign Harris, they have no cap space. They can bring back their own free agents, which is why, if that happens, as long as uh, Reddick doesn't sign somewhere else, I would think that there's a chance he comes back. Now, ideally, he would be your shooter off the bench. The problem is with trading Landry Shamit, there's nobody on this roster who looks like he could be a starter in this league. Maybe Zaire Smith eventually the guy they got in the first round um, this past year on a draft day trade for Mikael Bridges. Um, But then you would just be down to re-signing guys for the minimum, and and then they would have the mid-level exception, and they have like a $2.5 million exception from the Fultz trade. So you're going to hope that a veteran big man or maybe a backup point guard who can shoot, that that you would be able to convince guys maybe to play here for less than – you know, market value because they have a chance to go to the finals or, you know, do well that, you know, Golden State seems to find ways to do and, you know, the the other good teams find ways that the Spurs used to do and the Mavericks used to do and so on. So now if, if let's say Butler leaves, um, they could tech, they might be able to have sa- a, a max salary, but that would mean not re-signing Redick and not bringing back your own free agents. That would mean Mike Scott goes. That would mean that um, – James Ennis goes. So they're not in a great spot because they need help. Like you said, they need to go deeper than seven or eight um, or six or seven in the, in the, as it w- was in the uh, Raptor series. So they're really kind of tied into the, the two big names coming back. That's probably the best scenario for them because they can exceed the salary cap and the owner, uh, Josh Harris, the managing partner has said he will pay the luxury tax if they have a chance to win a championship. So that could come into play in that, you know, scenario. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, there, the roster could be very different or they could kind of bring the band back together and take a shot with a, you know, a full training camp, uh, preseason and an 82 game season and see how that goes. Uh, because Butler came in November, as I said, and Harris didn't come until the trade deadline. So he only, I think they're starting five only played 10 regular season games together. Their ideal starting five after the, after the Harris trade, and they played 11 of the 12 playoff games. Embiid missed game three against the Nets. So, you know, it's really – they played essentially a quarter of a season together, of which more than half of that was in the playoffs. So you could see that, you know, conceivably, you know, you, it could work in terms of getting more, you know, comfortable with each other. Part of the problem, too, is Butler wants to play clear-out one-on-one basketball. Um, Simmons wants to run. Um, Embiid is a half-court guy. So it, the, the pieces aren't exactly uh, – Reddick's a good shooter, but he can't get open himself. He needs screens. He needs dribble handoffs. He needs movement to, to get his shot. And Simmons initiates the offense, puts up good numbers, but does, you know, isn't a shooter. So you have kind of – everybody has a little bit of different skills there. Harris kind of seems to be able to do whatever, although he did not play great in the playoffs. He was good, but he was not great. So they need to – Brett Brown really needs to figure out a way, if everybody comes back, to make guys more effective, um, to to maximize the abilities of a fairly divergent starting group. Yeah, and to me this is definitely Brett Brown's make-it-or-break-it year. Now, if you don't get to at least the Eastern Conference Finals next season, 
uh, or even into the into the the finals. I think Brett Brown's done. Um, whether he can or, or will remains to be seen. One thing I do want to bring up: you mentioned Zaire Smith and the draft day trade. Would you make? Would you have to make that deal for Tobias Harris if you hold on to Mikael Bridges? Because I think Mikael Bridges uh, was an ideal fit for Philly. Yeah, I, it, it's hard to say. I, I got to see Zonova play a lot um, when he was a senior, and he was good. But I think that the, the problem was was Jalen Brunson was so good in terms of having such a good feel, kind of like Butler does in terms of when to be aggressive shooting the ball, when to get guys involved. That Bridges, to me, I thought was maybe a little bit overrated coming out of college. He did not have a great rookie year. Um, but I think the big thing there, you know, that the Sixers, well, the big reason they made that trade was they got an unprotected 2021 pick from the Miami Heat, you know, via the Suns in that deal. Now, they ended up moving that because they're thinking that maybe 2021 could be the year that the high school kids are available to come out again right out of high school. But they used that pick in addition to their own 2020 pick and Landry Shamit to send to the uh, to the Clippers to get Tobias Harris. So that pick is gone. So that's another reason why, like if Harris doesn't come back, you threw you know threw away two draft picks, and the Heat could be in, deep in a, in a rebuild at that point. That could be a, a top ten pick. So yeah, easily. Um, yeah, or even better. Yes. So that's the thing. That's why so much of the stake. You know, Elton Brand swung for the fences. He made two bold moves, but you really almost need those guys to come back to make them more successful. Otherwise, you traded two starters for Butler, and you traded two first-round picks and a pretty good young player in Landry Summit uh, for Harris. Yeah, and that's um, – it could turn out good, but it could end up being um, a problem. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out, of course. Um, and with Philly – not getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know how Philly fans can be. Um, so do you feel like the city is, is willing to give this unit one more shot, or do you feel like maybe they're thinking, okay, this experiment with Simmons at the guard or Embiid's injury prone, do you feel like they're, they're maybe getting a little fed up, or are they still, okay, we missed it by one shot there. If that rims out, we win game seven. Um, let's do it again and let's win it this time. How does the Philly yeah, a, fans look at it? It's a good question. It's really a little bit of all that. I, I think they're more annoyed at Simmons than Embiid, although, you know, the, the fact that he wasn't healthy again, that you know, and the even not being healthy, the impact he had, you know, especially at the defensive end and what he prevented the Raptors from doing. And then the moment he left the court, you just saw Kawhi Leonard or Siakam or – you know, whoever, um, just Danny Green, whatever, just go right down Broadway, Marcus Um uh, I think they'd like to see, you know, everybody back and kind of run it back. But, you know, they want Embiid to be healthy, and they want him to, to you know, to – I mean, it looked like when he missed 10 days late in the season, I swear it looked like he gained 10 or 12 pounds. And, you know, that can't happen. He said he doesn't like swimming. He basically – all he does to stay in shape is, is play basketball. And if he's hurt, he can't play basketball. So the logical thing is you cut your calories so you don't put on weight. Um, so, and I think they really need to watch over that, you know, more. I mean, he's immensely talented. He's, he's, there's never been a guy 7'2", 280 pounds that can do the things he, he can do. But you want to see him able to do those things for more than a game here or there in the playoffs because of, 
you know, health issues or knee or, uh, you know, an upper respiratory infection that's limiting his conditioning or whatever. So I think they want to see it again. They were really into it. Um, it was kind of, the playoffs are kind of like the Eagles season, you know, the Eagles win a game and it's, they're going to the Super Bowl, and then they lose a game and it's, you know, Peterson can't coach and, it, you know, Nick Foles is gone. It's a fluke. They're, they'll never do anything. And the, the NBA playoffs are kind of like that. It, it, everything's magnified and it's either, Feast or famine after game three, you know, blowing out the Raptors to go up 2-1. It was this, this team's – nobody can stop this team. They can beat the Warriors, and then they lose game four. It's, you know, Brown's got to go. What's he doing? Where's the adjustments? Embiid's, you know, sick again. What's what's the problem? Simmons won't shoot, you know, outside of four feet. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic. Well, one last thing here, and then I'll let you go. I've taken up too much of your time already, but – um, you mentioned Simmons, the shooting coach, is his brother. See, I didn't know that. I had no clue that that was his shooting coach. Does does that maybe lend a hand as to why Simmons can't shoot? Maybe his brother's a little too lax on him or not really well, putting his him through full grind? His brother worked with him in the off season, is what we're told, but the Sixers shooting people work with him during the regular season. Um, so, you know, but, you know, it, if one guy's your meal ticket and your brother says shoot 300 jumpers and you shoot 150 and you say I don't want to shoot anymore, what's he going to do? You know what's his, what's the brother going to do? He can't hold anything over your head. He can't. You know you're you're getting paid by him and he says I, I've shot enough. I don't want to shoot anymore. It is not an ideal situation. As I said, he was a coach like a, I believe a little, like a low level college coach, but he just needs to get in the gym and shoot 500. I mean, some people think he he's shooting with the wrong hand. And if you watch the way he shoots, his elbows out, it just doesn't look natural. Some people think he should be shooting with his other hand. And honestly, I can't say for sure that that's not the case because the form is so bad uh, the way he shoots now, and he can use both hands uh, pretty well. He does most th- most things with his other hand. So, but yes, they, uh, you know, the Sixers desperately need for him. And Brett Brown said, you know, I want him to shoot more, but he's only 22. If this is a pro, if he's 26 and this is happening, then it's a real problem. But that's four years. If he doesn't do it this coming year, there's going to be like a revolt in Philly. You know, that, I mean, because they realize that the window's open now and they're young and they don't have a lot of playoff experience in terms of Simmons and Embiid. But, um, you know, you don't know how long the window is. Butler will be 30 if he comes back. You know, he's going to start to decline soon. Harris is a little younger. He's 26. Reddick's 35 or beat will be 35. So, you know, their window is not, you know, is not the deepest, uh, longest time um, unless they're going to surround, um, surround him with, you know, surround Simmons and um, um, Embiid with a whole new cast of characters. All right. Well, that that's an interesting thing that I'm sure that my co-hosts and I are going to dive into the shooting coach because I was unaware of that. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting little idea yeah, look there. Yeah, so. into it. It is a very it is a very interesting topic, and there's a lot of people have a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of opinions about. And uh, you know, yes, it's it's a it's a it's a you know, anytime you involve like coaching with family, that's not an yeah. ideal. You know, situation. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely, it isn't. But uh, Tom, again, thank you for jumping on here and and talking with us, talking a little NBA. Uh, once you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you, I know you're covering the Sixers now. What is it, almost it'll be thirty two years next season? 
Yeah, 31 years at Sixers. I've been the columnist for the last two years. So some Eagles, some Phillies, some, you know, Villanova basketball, some, you know, uh, all different stuff. But, yeah, my Twitter handle is at Tom Moore Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y. And the website is the Bucks County Courier Times slash sports. You can find my columns there. Awesome. Can't wait to keep up with you. And uh, I may be up in Philadelphia come uh, July sometime. Maybe we grab a beer or something if you're not busy. Yeah, let me know. That, that'd be cool. Will do. Thanks again, Tom, and we'll hope to have you back real soon. Thank you. Take care. You too. Ah, Tom Moore. Always great to have him on and learn more about the Sixers than what we thought we knew. (laughs) What a mess. Yes, it is. (laughs) But But man, oh man, we went a little OT tonight, about 15 minutes over, no extra charge. So uh, you guys out there, thanks for listening. We, you know, we had our biggest download day ever the other day. So that was great for us. And we thank all of you for listening. Crazy people. All of them crazy. But we want to let you know that this show is brought to you by newlawoffice.com, cambay.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. You can check them out on Facebook at Atomic Comic and Collectibles, LLC on Facebook. Also, Stay Classy Meats. Use promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your purchase. This podcast is available at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and many, many other places. Also, check us out on WideMenCan'tJump.com for more information. Tim, do you have anything to add to this program before we jump on out of here? No, we're missing one thing. What's that? Well, you know, we got comics. We do. We got barbecue. And we do. We got girls. Boys, yeah, boys, whatever your fancy may be, yeah, and we got a lawyer, of course. The only thing you indulge in all three of those, you're gonna need a lawyer eventually. Yeah, the only thing we're really missing in there is a liquor store. <laughs> yeah, we do need a liquor store. <laughs> we need a liquor store. I think we can back ourselves a liquor store. We got it covered. I'll do my best. See what we can do about that. All but, right. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a long, it's been another long day here at the Hacienda. Up here in Castle, I'm going to steal that. Screw, screw Jim Cornette. Castle Dumbrella. Fuck Castle Cornette, not Garden. Ah. Um, but uh, another good day to be above above ground and looking forward to tomorrow night. Should be yeah. a rocker. Uh, Game no one. Uh, tomorrow we'll night. To the boys on, uh, on uh, Sunday, we won't be talking about that game or very little. But no, we'll we're going to try and have another again. Sunday night roundtable. So we'll find and, something uh, to talk about uh, We'll talk about something. It might even be wrestling related because there's been some more fallout from since uh, Saturday pay per view. The raw, as they said, the raw response was well non-existent. No, buddy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we can talk for hours about that. So yeah, we might have another slot at the wrestling show or some other. Yeah, or may have like a uh, good friend of mine, Joe P. Sapia. He is uh, author of the fantasy football black book. 
for one of your fantasy football drafting purposes. Owner of Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. What is it? Owner of Little Caesars. Oh, God damn it. But uh, he also does the In This Ring podcast that talks about pro wrestling. So we may have him join us on Sunday. I want to get, yeah, I I really want to get another uh, perspective of the whole AEW thing from somebody who's maybe in a little deeper than we are. Well, he is, uh, he may be tied up, but uh, I'm working on another guest as well. So that I may have a guest for us to talk about AEW because he did respond to me today. I'll tell you off air. Oh, all right. Fair enough. But other than that, it's been a a good week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, got a few shirts left though boys not many but not many shirts but are flying but a few but we really won't uh like i'm not trying to put any pressure on anybody but we probably won't bother to get anything else until we get down to like you know one or two of those babies left before we invest any more money in anything else because we got to get our absolutely because we're still small we're still a small op yet so but they're they're running low but, but we're running low so this is this is a good thing and uh and again, thanks to everybody for making the effort to check us out. We appreciate it. Yeah, we very much do. All right. It's Nate. He's Tim. Tim, send us home. Peace, baby. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanChum.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Man Radio Network.